This is exactly right. I'm Kate Winkler Dawson, a journalist, author, and podcast host. And I'm Paul Holes, a retired investigator with experience solving some of America's most notorious cold cases. Together, we host Buried Bones, a historical true crime podcast on the Exactly Right Network. Each week, we examine a different case from history and use our years of experience and 21st century forensics to bring new insights into these very old tragedies. Like the time the Sausage King of Chicago's wife went missing in 1897. Don't miss new episodes every Wednesday. Follow Buried Bones wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to my favorite murder, the true crime podcast you were waiting for uh, while it uploaded, while you're, it uploaded and you were waiting for it to upload. Can you believe technology? <laughs> it's so crazy how long it takes, but also how fast it is. I mean, w- within a minute. Georgia, what's your, would you say is your favorite part of technology? Oh, uh my first thought was alarm clocks that can't be right (laughs) that's not right i'm not gonna go with that (laughs) i think you should i think it's first of all that makes it sound like you love getting up i love alarms i love alarms i love to be alarmed i love to be scared i love to be woken up when i don't want to be like deep rem sleep Uh boom i'm sitting up i'm upset yeah that's my favorite thing yeah that's Mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. what's yours my favorite part of technology? Uh-huh. That has to be Twitter, be. right? I was going to say email. Can we check your phone and it'll tell us how long you've spent on Twitter? Sure. Okay. Is it like gigabytes? Uh, it'll also tell you time, like the amount of time. Really? Go, okay, go to. Stephen, you might have to. She actually put her hand out like I was going to give her I my know, phone. I know. She would not pass it to me. There's no way you can access my phone. Okay, here's how you do it. all of my dick pics. <laughs> That I'm sending everywhere. <laughs> um, um, General. General. Steven, you're old. Young. Steven, how do you do the... Battery. Oh, yeah. If you go to battery. Settings battery. Oh. Okay. Then you can look at yes. last 24 hours or last seven days, okay. what you've been using the most. Okay. So you go to settings and battery, and mm-hmm. then let's do last seven days. What's the number one thing you've spent? Twitter, 56%. Wow. And then then I come in with your favorite, my home and lock screen, which is 25%. <laughs> oh, my God. Text's only 6%. You need to start texting oh. more. That makes me actually that just made me cry a little bit. You're on Twitter more than you're on than you're texting your good good friends. Then actual interaction with yeah. the people that care about me. Instead, I'm on Twitter going like, "Now I don't want to do a pun, but <laughs> but I do have this idea. But this is really funny." Oh. Yeah, sorry. Just, What's yours? Mine's 23. The first one's just, don't fucking reach around <laughs> out to me like I'm going to sound you my techno my alarm clock. <laughs> What if I just handed you an alarm my clock? Most precious alarm clock. This is I what I called it my phone. phone. Yeah. <laughs> what if I called my phone my alarm clock and I just that's all I use it for? This is you've been the facade has gone on for three years and now I realize you're fucking crazy. I'm insane. <laughs> or really my phone. stupid. Like way more stupid than you initially thought. You know? <laughs> it never seemed like she was stupid on the road. Yeah. But I never saw her around alarm clocks on the road. I never <laughs> You never went thing. in my hotel room with me. I've never been in your 
Well, that's not true in Australia. Yeah, we had a nice, we snuggled up. We did. That was fun. I've trashed hotel rooms because I didn't like their alarm clocks before. <laughs> <laughs> what if that were true? <laughs> and also I'm picturing, I don't know what kind of alarm clock you're picturing. The first one I pictured was like a grandma, yeah, the, the kind you wind up oh, to I'm go off. Oh, I'm thinking of the the ones like from the 70s that had like the flaps the numbers were like oh yeah those are the best ones yeah right the flip over yeah because then the one i had i was given an alarm clock when i was like eight and it was my most precious possession i won one when i was like eight in a bingo and it was like the first thing i'd ever won red digital letters i mean yes yes like no it had letters karen (laughs) yes it was just like wake up bitch georgia Georgia. it's a 803 (laughs) yeah i was like really excited about it did you put stickers on it? No. I put stickers on mine. What kind of stickers? Satan yep. symbols. Don't forget to worship Satan. Mm-hmm. And then I'd set the alarm. <laughs> <laughs> For 20 minutes of Satan worshiping, you got to get the- that. It's like meditation app, but it's 20 minutes of <laughs> Satan worshiping. <laughs> I'm so old. I'm so old that like we used to listen to FM radio, like leave the radio clock radio and you could put a timer on no and listen to the radio and it would turn itself off in like 20 minutes that's or whatever. so advanced well i mean that's what santa brings <laughs> to oh, the Kilgariff household maybe because i'm jewish and can only win good shit in bingo that's right but i fucking i mean that's the only time i've ever won bingo before and, it, and i still remember walking up to the stage and just yes. being like oh my god and like pick any prize <laughs> and i was just like this is the most amazing moment of my life yes I remember it exactly. Of course. A pick. Okay. For all adults that are planning things for children. Yeah. If you can set up a pick any prize, if you win yeah. raffle or bingo, like you're saying, That's why whatever. We, we love uh, black elephant. What's the one where you can be like, White well, elephant. whatever color <laughs> elephant you want. I'm t- trying to be inclusive. Uh, I'm thinking I'm the black sheep. That's right. what I was thinking. <laughs> right. Uh, that's fun. Yes. Too. No, but I remember my sister, mm-hmm. there was like a fireman's daughter's luncheon that mm. we went to when I was probably eight or 10. That sounds amazing. And they had a pick any prize raffle and the shit was like 10 speed bikes Dude. and crazy. I mean, like, but stuff. then some poor kids ended up like has to get the last, like a cork board, the last prize, like they oh, get yeah. a cork board. <laughs> or even sadder. Yeah. The ones that get nothing. No, you stop like playing. Like Karen Kilgara. Shut your face. When my sister got an electric motherfucking brother typewriter that was blue. What? She got an electric typewriter. She walked up, picked her prize, shopped. Like That's she like was a $200 on. thing. Yes. There was really good prizes. And, and you got nothing? No, I'm never sorry, firefighters. You've done great up until this point. <laughs> we <laughs> love 9-11. Would you thank great you for everything? Job. Yeah, it's your biggest. Everyone knows your biggest hits. <laughs> thank you. Right now they're fighting insane wildfires in California. All over California and Arizona. But learn how to play a bingo I game. Mean, We're going to get so much hate mail for this. Uh, I mean, no, no, because my father, being a, <laughs> being a fireman, our favorite thing to do in the past, I'd say, 15 years is anytime my dad is in any way an asshole, we go, America's hero, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> in restaurants. If he's mad that, like, parking isn't yeah. good or something. Oh, look at the American hero. <laughs> that's so mean, <laughs> and I love it. That's that's how we are. Um, what do you have today Oh, for, for, our, aud- yeah. for our audience? Yeah, let's by the way. Let's right Yeah, now. let's... Uh, I like how when we started this, we used to be worried about how much people didn't like it that we started the podcast this way. And now it's as if we're going off into a tangent and just pushing away anyone who might try to purposefully, approach this. Purposefully. Purposefully. Out. Get, Get out. out. Get out of here. Great movie. Okay. 
not a great tactic for podcasting no for for trying to be popular (laughs) but that's just it like we're not trying to be popular you can't try to be popular like you just are you aren't it's as simple as it's the natural born thing be drunk though while you're doing that what be drunk though while you're doing that voice (laughs) you can say you you know how to be popular that's what you're like but just come here come here come here that's our secret you can't try to be popular fuck yes drunk karen drunk karen love to whisper okay uh this is perhaps one of the more exciting pieces of email that we have gotten in my experience on this show oh my god well i I like to overstate things you know that (laughs) i like to over um react so let's do it (laughs) so perfect so let's fucking make podcasts so this is why we work together This reads as such. On July 12th, while driving home from a long day at work and listening to episode 129, Karen mentioned her good thing for the episode. Mm -hmm. Lo and behold, your favorite thing was the show I work on. (gasps) I screamed and pull over and texted all my feller, fellow, (laughs) fellow Endeavor crew murderinos. Remember I said I love that show Endeavor? Yeah. And went on and on about how much I love it. Yeah. This is an email from people who work on the television show (laughs) Endeavor. And she had a freak out, like I'm having a freak out right now, hearing that I said that. And she Holy said, shit. so I texted all my fellow Endeavor crew murderinos, of which there are so many. Holy shit. I've been a longtime listener of the podcast and I've been recommending it to everyone I meet. Thank you. <laughs> but no, on the other, but on no other job have I found so many murderinos. Aww. Of course, the ones in my department were known to me, but the assistant producer dropped uh, dropping a stay out of the forest on a particularly wooded <gasps> location day changed everything. Holy shit. Now I'm just in my mind. First of all, I would just like to say this season of Endeavor, I've watched them all twice already. So yeah. and now I'm think- just trying to think back of like which one to Where place. Where would you have that? Holy yeah. shit, dude. I'm so excited. Um, it's like you're basically the star of the show. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've been cast. You're the most popular person on the show. <laughs> Attaches a photo of just a few of us outside the wonderful, handsome, Aww. and fabulous Sean Evans trailer, who is in place uh-huh. Endeavor uh-huh. Morse, the detective, the long-standing famous British detective Morse. Um, and the second photo is a local Endeavorinos stocky photo of me and Molly with Sean whilst filming on location in Oxford. Um, your podcast has given us endless conversation starters on what are some of the longest days at work. Yeah, uh-huh. that can, it can be long. Uh-huh. Mostly at night, in forests, down dark alleyways, filming murders and crime scenes. Oh, Our t-shirts and pin badges are the talk of the set, and we speak about it so often that most of the cast, including Sean himself, I want to start crying, um, are involved now too, and you can you can um, hear baies ringing through the trucks <laughs> that rap. That's so cute. Which is... We have taken a saying from Alaska on RuPaul's Drag Race and transitioned it all the way over across the pond uh, (laughs) to Endeavor. Um, In order to seek out other more shy murderinos, we occasionally ask if anyone would like a cookie and wait for a meow. Yay! We are so ridiculously excited to hear that you are Endeavorinos. I can't. (laughs) And if you guys find yourself in London again anytime soon, we'd love to have you come visit us and take part... um, uh, take part in our own 1960s murder world that we call work. Toodle pip and ta-ta for now. <laughs> Yolanda, Molly, Lauren, Caroline, Amy, and all the Endeavor murderinos. Stay sexy and endeavor to not get murdered. Oh, yeah. Bye. Wow. That is 
so exciting that's incredible sorry that's just a straight up nerd out um fan email that's incredible for me yeah (laughs) for me also because i'm these world like there's so many it's so hard for me to find a show that serves all the things i need yeah which is oftentimes in being in the past procedural british you know a lead man that is like more interested in doing the crossword fatherly ish yes I mean, not threatening. <laughs> I'm very easily threatened. I scare easy when I watch TV. Karen just starts pepper spraying the TV sometimes when it's too aggressive. Uh, it's just so exciting. That's great. I, I love know. it. I love it. Congratulations. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to say that um, I have a, a letter too. Oh, okay. yeah. It's yeah. called. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Listen to it. It's called Stephen's Mustache Lost a Roller Derby Bout to Elvis. Ah, oh, shit. I owe somebody $50. <laughs> Damn it. Stephen and all. Last week, thousands of skaters traveled to Las Vegas for RollerCon, the annual roller derby convention. And I have to say, like, I fucking love roller derby. My good friend of mine, Megan, her name was Judy Gloom. She was like an <laughs> incredible skater. And I used to go watch her all the time. It's like. Most if you have a chance to go watch roller derby, go. It's the that most fun. Roller con is the coolest yeah. thing. I never even knew that existed. And they're like such badass women, the, the roller derby gals. Yeah. So touted as the bastard daughter of dozens of leagues, roller roller con brings together skaters from all across the world for challenges, workshops, blah 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 blah. Um, so this year, this someone named Nat organized a challenge about against a team called Stevens Mustache <laughs> and a team <laughs> called Elvis Wants a Cookie. Yep. Long story short, uh, Stephen's mustache got their beautiful derby butts handed to them. <laughs> but it was one of the funnest games. Final score, 128 to 61. So much love from MFM. Derberino, derby Reno sisters, Franny Panties, number 210, <laughs> Rage City Roller Girls, Anchorage, yeah. Alaska. That's awesome. Nice, from Alaska. Yeah. That's so cool. Yes. Go see Roller Derby and support, support the gals. That is... Yeah, I saw that on Twitter. I didn't realize it was RollerCon. Yeah. Because I skim, you know me, and Uh the skimming with the reading. But they just said that these two roller teams or or derby teams are about to go up against each other. And they named the two. And I... Oh, you were serious? You were like $50? I just wrote back 50 bucks on Steven's mustache. (laughs) And I only picked that team because it sounded funnier than 50 bucks on Elvis. Do you want a cookie or whatever? Essentially, you owe me 50 bucks. It's turning into me now. You? Yep. Because it's your cat. That's my cat. All right. Oh. I'm sorry I let you down, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> Steven, put your skates on right now. Steven's mustache, be quiet. <laughs> um, someone tweeted us, sorry, but someone tweeted us the other day. Why don't you let Steven laugh? <laughs> what? <laughs> what does that even mean? I'm not sure. Somebody's interpreting things that we've said on here as like that it's somehow our rule that we have a team meeting before the show starts that Steven's not allowed that to laugh. That sounds like a, a 1980s like made for TV movie. Like, wh- why won't you let Steven laugh? Steve, we won't let st- or something, you know? Open on an alarm clock with the flippy numbers. <laughs> Click 8 a.m. But it's letters. Isn't that weird? It's so weird. It's so weird. It's very weird. Um, um, okay, we have some summer camp. Uh, we have a, a line of merch. It's special. It's tem- temporary for the summer. It's summer camp themed. So cute. So cute. It's got those like those like mugs that look like tin campy mugs. Yes. So cute. Hats, all kinds of clothing, a fucking duffel bag that like I kind of need to get. Yeah. Myself. There's some good stuff. Good shit. Check it out. Lots of um, different styles of shirts because we know everyone likes a different kind. So check that out. Myfavoritemurder.com. Go to the shop. Yeah. It's in there. It's in there. Yeah. Um, I don't have anything else. Do you? I don't 
Stephen was that a fa- St- I saw Stephen move quickly out of the corner of my eye. Now he flips his page around a lot. Oh, I see. Stephen, don't laugh and don't move too quickly. Don't move. Yeah, go s- move Steven. slowly. <laughs> or we're gonna have a. Actually, can you sit in the closet? That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that I, that I like about that comment too is Stephen is the consummate podcast producing professional. Like he does yeah. this for lots of people. If you could hear him laugh, he'd be doing a bad job. Everyone would fire his ass. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine if you're trying to record your podcast and like have a conversation and someone's like, <laughs> well, someone besides me and you. <laughs> <laughs> we don't count. I can laugh like a, I can guffaw all I want. Yeah, but. we get to. Well, um, and also the goal is that yeah. you make Stephen break and actually make a noise. Right. He laughs, but he doesn't. Have, yeah, he he knows. He knows. He's good. Trust Stephen, I say, too. He's whoever been made that here comment. for 400 episodes. Yeah, he knows what he's doing. And we don't even have 400 episodes. That's how long he's been he's here. He's most popular in all the land. Who goes first this week? Uh, Karen goes first. Is it me? Because last week was, was the lie. Stuart Bergwell. Was that oh, right? okay. Okay. Georgia, is there anything scarier than trying to log into an account and it tells you that your password is incorrect. And then you try again and it's the same thing. And after a few more failed attempts, big red letters appear saying you've been locked out and your account is suspended. That happens to me all the time, Karen. But scary password stories can have happy endings if you give 1Password a try. 1Password is a user-friendly password management system. It's trusted by consumers, families, small businesses, and large-scale enterprises. If you're tired of being the family member everyone texts for a streaming login or the unofficial keeper of all those shared work credentials, it's time for you to pass the torch to 1Password. They allow for secure login sharing. With 1Password, you can securely store more than just passwords, autofill everything from usernames to payments details and personal info. They'll also notify you about potential data breaches. 1Password saves everyone time. And in many cases, that save time equals money saved. The accounting department will thank you. Don't just listen to us. I mean, you should, but don't just do that. The Associated Press uses 1Password to secure their sensitive information in high-risk areas. Right now, our listeners can get a two-week free trial at onepasswordcom MFM. That's two free weeks at one, as in the number one, password.com slash mfm one password.com slash mfm goodbye this i am so excited to do this one and i was glad to have the extra time because i needed to you know i need to actually work on it right um it helps sometimes yeah and i love it because it is from near my hometown oh my god and it is a creepy cult um which is one of my favorite things it is. and uh and i had so i'll tell you the um inciting incident as they call it in uh writing so i have this memory um if you don't know anything about my hometown of Petaluma, which you probably don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, everyone knows. If Karen. you don't know about... Everyone, we all know. So basically, every picture you see of the Golden Gate Bridge is... The stance is, or the view of it, is you standing on Alcatraz in the bay, looking mm-hmm. uh, basically what would be westward toward the Golden Gate Bridge. Mm-hmm. So above that to the right is northern... Above northern California. Mm-hmm. 30 miles 
north of the Golden Gate Bridge is my hometown, Petaluma. And that's the first city in Sonoma County. And up there, that's all dairy ranches. That's where it used to be the chicken. Petaluma used to be the chicken capital of the world or the egg capital of the world in the 30s. Where's um, the chicken capital in the world of the world? Uh, Do you guys fight them? We couldn't hit <laughs> the number of chickens, but we <laughs> fucking churned out those eggs. Girl, um, get, get those eggs. Yeah, I don't know how they decide which of those products you're going to choose. Yeah. But... Okay, so it was called the egg basket of the world. Anyway, um, and then, but right outside of my town, so I, that's the town itself. Okay. I grew up five miles outside of that town in the, where there was like basically cattle ranches. Mm-hmm. And then further out, 10 miles to 15 miles out of town, it's completely undeveloped dairy ranches. So they're big, huge ranches with thousands of acres because the cows need to graze mm-hmm. and they need to eat grass all day long. Then they make real good milk, not homogenized. Because they're happy cows. Make happy milk. That's right. That's right. So, um, and you've seen this part of the country. There, They shoot car commercials out there all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very picturesque. It's like they low. Shout, they shot, shoot cow commercials out there all the time. <laughs> they too. shoot cows out there all oh, the time. <laughs> <laughs> the commercials for cows. <laughs> A lot of shooting. Lots of shooting. Um, so it's just incredibly picturesque. And, um, it's also, uh, if you go a little bit south of that area, it's, it's Marin County. It's West Marin. Okay. But still this exact same thing and the exact same kind of farmland. And it's awesome. Um, so in, when I was eight years old, I was driving my parents used to, when people would come and visit us, they, the big thing that they would do is drive people to, uh, essentially Bodega Bay, uh-huh. which is, um, the ocean. Uh-huh. And we would drive da- out these windy roads with these beautiful rolling hills. And we would end up at the bay. Oysters? Uh, yeah. <gasps> all kinds of lobsters. Mm. There, there was a place, I think it's, I want to c- say it's, it's something landing. Uh-huh. It was a place that we would always go and end up. And they had a restaurant and they had a fresh fish market oh, where literally. That, those are my favorite fucking places. Not just the restaurant, but like they're always in cool like vacation spots. Right. Where they're like a guy just pulled up on his yeah. boat and brought these four lobsters. Now they're on ice. Yeah. And then here's some fish with their eyes in still on ice. <laughs> like all that shit. Yeah. And when you're eight. Um, my sister and I used to be get car sick really easily. Mm-hmm. So we were always in the backseat of these cars that were like Ugh. whining, whining, whining. And then you get to um, Bodega Bay and it would be like probably low tide or at That's noon. Right. And so we'd have to get out of the car and then go into the fresh fish market and then go into the restaurant and have our choice of what clam chowder or um, some sole mm-hmm. or fish sticks. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I cannot eat fish. That's right. So you would, you associate the smell of fish and fish and eating fish with being nauseous. Yeah. With being carson. <laughs> and the smell. Oh, oh my God. So you won't eat fish. Can't eat fish. That's so funny. And they made it that, they made it that way. They made both of us that way. Parents my will just ruin you in special little ways. They really do. And th- those are the kind of things you can't really anticipate. So yeah. anyway, um, uh, all of that is to say on one of those trips, one time, uh, we were driving and I saw, and everyone in the car saw there was like four people on the side of the road and they were dressed in all white in these weird rappy things that it was weird they were dressed in, they were dressed very odd like for the times and flowing things and well shit. it was like 
Yeah, I, th- I can't really remember. I th- that might have that might be an exaggeration in my mm-hmm. head. They're just wearing white. But they all had shaved heads, and it was women and men. Mm. And my, mo- I remember hearing my mother say to my father, "Oh, Jim, Jim, be careful," and like go basically go around, make sure you don't go anywhere near them. <sighs> and which gives them supernatural power. Like if you can't even drive near them, right? And my mom, who was Mrs. Yeah. Oh, please, yeah. not never scared of anything, never like intimidated, and she was like, "Keep away." And I, of course, as we drove by, I stared at all of them mm-hmm. and they were just these weird people mm-hmm. that were like staring straight ahead, riding these bikes. And then I, of course, I'm like, why, why can't we go near them? And my mom's like, we'll tell you, my mom would always say, we'll tell you later. Yeah. And she made it sound like we're going to tell you when we get yeah, home. Yeah, yeah. But she meant like 25 years. <laughs> um, so it turned out that they were members of a cult called mm-hmm. Synanon. Oh my God. And Synanon was this, um, cult that I'm about to tell you all about right now, but it is, so they're known for a bunch of stuff. They're it's synonymous start- with a bunch of stuff. <laughs> Come on. Come on. They started as a rehab center, essentially. Okay. Ooh, that's a good, like, ooh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's how you get people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also the guy that started it, the tenants of the, of the beginnings of this organization, actually, it's like he went off and went cult direction. Mm-hmm. And then most of what modern rehab facilities, what their, the systems and the way they do things are based on mm-hmm. is based on Synanon. Wow. Like it started there, but then they took it. One went science and the other went, I am, you know, got a golden God or whatever. Um, and the interesting thing is if you've ever seen the George, George Lucas's first movie, which was called THX 1138. Oh, yeah. Which is all shot in a white negative space. It's Robert Duvall, he has a shaved head and they're wearing all white and they have these weird things <gasps> around their neck. Remember that? Yeah, and very it's, vaguely. It's like this creepy dystopian future where people aren't allowed to have relationships, have children, everyone's, they take drugs to repress their emotions and there's, it's very like Orwellian horrible yeah. future. And there are the extras in that movie because it was the early 70s and when George Lucas went to shoot that movie no actors wanted to shave their sure. heads because it was the 70s and it's like who are you Steven Spielberg you're, yeah you're exactly like a kid. you're no one we yeah. don't know who you you're like a, a local um, making a movie so he went and got Synanon cult members to come and be in his movies so if you ever rent or watch that movie and there's ever like a group or kind of city they're trying to make it seem like they're in a city area a lot of the people in the background are cult members wow Uh uh-huh that's a cool and they're and sitting on the cult is is actually thanked in the thank yous of the movie so it's really it's such a crazy story all right so let's do it i've just i've painted as much of the personal picture as i can you know i love talking about myself (laughs) i would continue but we have to get into the actual tell me more about your car sickness (laughs) well what's weird about this is when this cult moved in it it, the people in the dairy ranchers and the people that i grew up around they're very modest people Mm -hmm. they're very keep to yourself good fences make good neighbors a lot of them are crazy wealthy yeah but you would never fucking know right because they work on their own ranch all day long yeah and they save and they don't they just drive they don't trucks. want flashy shit no that's not their style 
And so this cult moves in and buys this, this ranch. It sounds like wild, wild country. It's ex- that's what I was going to say. Oh, my it's God. This, it's basically a very small version of that same thing. But in white and not maroon. In white. And we they didn't try to make a whole fucking city or whatever. Yeah. But it's the same thing where it was just like everyone's looking around going, okay, sorry, what's this now? <laughs> what are we doing? Okay. So here's the beginning. Okay. Uh, this synonym was founded by a man named Charles E. Diedrich. Uh, oh, by the way, um, I should say that uh, I got a lot of information. There's really good, like, YouTube short films and interview type things mm-hmm. um, that I got a lot of this from. But there's a 2014 article um, for Paleo Future blog on Gizmodo written by a guy named Matt Novak that's, that has tons of great information mm-hmm. and um, is really good. So I got a lot of it from there. Um and also from uh, an attorney named Paul Morantz. Um, he has a website, paulmorantz.com. Oh. And he's an attorney that got ended up getting involved in basically taking down this cult. Whoa. And so he knows a lot of great information. Cool. Okay. So the founder of Synanon was a man named Charles E. Diedrich. He was born in Toledo, Ohio in 1913 to up, upper middle class parents. Um Oh, also, again, Wikipedia. Thank you so much yeah. for everything you do. No shit. His <laughs> no shit. No shit. His father dies in a car crash when he's four. When he's eight, his younger brother dies of the flu. Aww. Very common back then. Uh-huh. And then his his mother kind of in her grief makes him, he's he's really young, uh-huh. but he she relies on him like he's the head of the household, uh-huh. which is a bad setup because four years later, she gets remarried. Uh-uh. And... And then he's out. Doesn't he doesn't take it well? He doesn't like the man she's marrying anyway. And then he's basically out and sure. all bad. He becomes a serious drinker before he's even in high school. What? Yeah. So he manages to graduate from high school. He gets into Notre Dame. He flunks out of Notre Dame Ooh. eighteen months later. Ooh. Still, he's part of our club. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then he spends the next twenty or so years. Getting and losing jobs, getting married, getting divorced. He moves to Santa Monica, decides he's going to be a beach bum. He gets remarried. Um, Is something you decide to do or you just do? I mean, the word decide was in the sentence. <laughs> but yeah, sometimes you just end up in Santa Monica yeah. asking for coffee money. He gets remarried again. And his second wife begs him to go to AA. Mm-hmm. And he finally does. She ends up leaving him anyway. Oh. But, but he does get to AA from her recommendation in 1956 and it works. He totally gets sober. He gets really into it. He's a devotee and he's like a natural salesman type, be gregarious and outgoing. So everybody loves him and he becomes, you know, like mm-hmm. this is his community mm-hmm. until they don't love him anymore. <gasps> Cause he's one of those, uh, as my friend Bradford calls them a dominant psycho. So he's the kind of person that can't, sit back and let other people do things and it always has to be you know controlling yeah. just a typical addictive personality yeah um and he also starts doing the thing which happens a lot in program where you get in your life is fucked up you're insane you get healthy you get a little sobriety and then you start going this program doesn't work and here's why and oh. you know suddenly you know better than everybody yeah. very typical so 
he did started doing that, but he was actually kind of right because the problem he had was that AA would not let drug addicts come to AA meetings. Um, They'd already established Narcotics Anonymous, but they weren't consistent. They didn't have consistent meetings. It wasn't like as strong of a program as AA. Um, So people that were drug addicts trying to get sober kind of had nowhere to go. Yeah. And Charles Diedrich was like, that sucks. And that should, you know, those people need help too. Uh I know I couldn't read anywhere where it said he in in particular was a drug addict, but it seemed like he had a lot of compassion for people that were like hooked on heroin. Yeah. Um, So around this time, it's uh, there's a doctor named Dr. Keith Dittman and he does an experiment. He's taking volunteers for an experiment to see if LSD can cure alcoholism. Uh He has this theory that like, if you break from reality, and you can kind of like reset your brain mm-hmm. and then not be a drunk anymore. Well, that sounds fun. Right? Um, some people believe in it. No, I it's d- totally, yeah. It that kind of makes sense. I think ecstasy or, as well or MD, MD, Run DMC, what is it called? Run DMC has mm-hmm. very helped me get clean. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> MDMA. My Adidas walk on <laughs> floors and walk all over Coliseum floors. Stephen cut that. Um, okay. So while he, so he signs up for this experiment Mm -hmm. and while he's tripping, he has this epiphany where he decides if AA is not going to do it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to start my own rehab and it's going to take people that are on uh, addicted to drugs and it's going to be called the tender loving care club. TLC. Yeah, baby. He's clearly on drugs. Whoa. Um, <laughs> that's only that's something that only someone on LSD would think of and be like, that's a great idea. You know what the best name is? Because everyone needs it. Um, and it's just the truth. Yeah. Let's say it. Yeah. Um, so so that's what he actually does. He um he starts meeting with people that are kind of, you know, there are people that are drawn to him. He's has a very plain speaking way of, you know, he's a truth teller and he's like one of those kind of people and he encourages other people to be that way. So he has people start meeting at his Ocean Park apartment and he makes up this thing that becomes one of the hugest parts of this cult and it's a uh, it's what, what do they call it? Um, it's, it's called the game. He calls it the game. Okay. But, um, but basically it's a v- version of talk therapy where, um, <laughs> you sit in a circle. It's usually like 10 people or so. And it starts off with quite really like normally upsetting questions like, who's the most boring person in this group? Or mm-hmm. what's the, what, what thing happened today with someone in this group that made you really mad talk about it Mm -hmm. or whatever. And basically someone gets picked out of the group and then everyone starts attacking that person. Uh huh. Everyone starts telling that person what's wrong with them, what, why they suck, why they're a bad person, what, what they do that's irritating. And they just rail the person and they can even say things that aren't true, but it's just basically this, a barrage of shittiness and insults to break the ego down. I think this is a bad idea. <laughs> I just want to go ahead and give my medical uh, expertise <laughs> thoughts on this. Well, I was thinking about how that would feel. Like I told you that story of how one time I thought my therapist tricked me into going to group therapy and I got really mad because she's, she recommended like mm-hmm. a meditation group. Mm-hmm. But when I got there, they were all talking in a circle and right. I had this panic where I was like, I'm firing her. She tricked me. 
Because it's so frightening, the idea of having to sit there and be in therapy in front of like eight strangers yeah. or 10 strangers. So this idea really does, it's almost like a emotional bungee jumping. But I have to say, group th- for people, group therapy can be great for people. Group yeah. therapy isn't like that. No, no, no. This- so that specifically sounds... I mean, I don't know. Maybe it works, but it sounds insane. Well, I think what happens is, and they and they talk about it in in a lot of these articles and stuff. Is what it is is you get broken down, yeah, and then and much in the way that like the theory of like the LSD would break you from reality or whatever. Yeah. You get the theory is you're going to get broken out of your little world and and have to kind of face the possibility of the other, you know like what other people think of you or just that the world is much different than you think the worst is happening like the maybe for some people the worst is like getting yelled at by a bunch of fucking strangers about how much they suck right because if you are i mean that is a thing of like being when you're you know having been in a program a little bit Mm -hmm. um the thing that is very true is addicts have a this it's a combination of a sense of grandiosity about themselves mm-hmm. and incredibly low self-esteem mm-hmm. which is a terrible combination yeah so it's like you hate yourself and then but don't let anyone fucking see that no and and at the same time you also think you're the best thing ever and you can't be told anything yeah. everybody knows and you this, know better than everybody and yeah the same things that happened to all the other addicts isn't going to happen to you that's right you're different you're the exception to the rule right yeah all these things so I think the game maybe was structured in the beginning to s- set up to kind of break that, but in this very public, very forced and very kind of awful way mm-hmm. that it, most people fear. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, like you don't have to be an addict to be like, yeah, I don't want people yelling at me. No, I don't want that at all <laughs> ever. So, okay. but here's the weird thing. People love it. So the people that are in this, it, and also he calls it the haircut when you're, you're getting a haircut. Oh. Um, Weird. Yeah, basically. Uh, these sessions, the way he did them, they could go on for up to 72 hours. What the fuck? Yes. That <laughs> doesn't sound okay. No, no, no. <laughs> it's, well, that's where the extreme part yeah. comes. So when, when he first starts setting up this rehab thing, he's like, oh, you have to do like three to four hour sessions three times a week. But then the more you sit in it, because did you see that movie about what's his name? L. Ron Hubbard. That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. Yes. It's that except for it's much more aggressive yeah where that was more of like you kind of don't know what's happening you're, yeah you're like well, how are they doing this because i don't know what this is about yeah this was more like we attack you you don't defend yourself and that's the game yeah can you can you deal with not defending yourself and and being broken down so um but when they start going into like 72 hour sessions is when he starts getting the sense of how sleep deprivation opens you up to being controlled Yeah, and sleep deprivation, you know, there's, um, shit, I should have printed it up. There's like the seven or 10 brainwashing steps that Mm -hmm. you can take where you can brainwash people. If like you remove the protein from their diet, Mm -hmm. you don't let them sleep. You repeat the same things over and over. You separate them from their family, all these things. So basically this is what he was doing. But in the beginning it was with the best intentions, but as he sat there and was able to kind of like commandeer people, he's probably not sleeping either. So he's going a little bananas as well. Um, yeah, exactly. And kind of loving these results because the results are all coming back and being 
to his credit. And everyone's starting to hear about mm-hmm. it. And people in the word around town is this is actually working for people. People are actually getting clean. So like it starts to get popular in Hollywood, of course, mm-hmm. because like like this town is of course filled with addicts and people who love things like that, the yeah. attention. Um so uh, they used to have like a night where everyone would, people would show up that weren't in rehab, but they would just go to play the game wow. just to, to be in there. Like Leonard Nimoy used to do it. And, <laughs> um, yeah, I'll, I'll, like, yeah, that's the one name that stands out. But anyway, but then, but also it, it was popular because a lot of jazz musicians who were really popular at the time mm-hmm. were addicted to heroin and went there to get off. And yeah. so they started having these music nights. So people were just there and it became this community where people were like, this is a cool place to be and you don't have to drink and you don't have to do drugs, but all this cool stuff is happening and people are being real and people are telling it like it is. So people get really into it. So it starts getting all this good press. The Diedrich is claiming that there's an 80 to 100% uh, success rate. Mm, That's not a thing you should say. Yeah, it's that seems a little extreme. Yeah. Um, but that's what he's saying. They start to get really good press. Life magazine does a 14 page spread wow. on Synanon. And the title of the article is A Miracle at the Beach. Wow. And they start and eventually they made a movie about it a, cu- a couple years after that. Um, it becomes like the talk of the town. And so once all of that kind of positive press, some politicians talked about it on the Senate floor, like there was finally a yeah. cure for addiction. And so they start getting crazy amounts of donations Shit. and huge donations to the point where they go from, they had a house in Venice Beach that was kind of shitty and they make so much money that they buy, um, you know, right on the one when you write, um, in Santa Monica, mm-hmm. when you get onto the one and you start driving up PCH mm-hmm. and there's that big, like, hotel on the beach that's kind of old-fashioned looking i think so yeah um so that place hold on let me turn the page it was called club casa del mar Mm -hmm. and they moved synanon into that place oh my god they were at one point making 10 million dollars a year holy shit with this rehab facility it's like us in this podcast So, <laughs> Eartha Kitt hangs out with us. Yeah, um, all the great jazz, all the jazz greats. We make Stephen play mm-hmm. all the instruments. <laughs> um, now the problem is there are no licensed therapists. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, it's all based on Diedrich's theories yeah. and the game, and there's no oh, no governmental or uh, like health department no overseer of any oh, kind. No. And of course. That plus $10 million, people go nuts. Mm-hmm. So more money, more crazy people. Yeah. That's what they say. It's that's the, the how that'll run the MC song. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the first 10 years of Synanon can be called a success because they yeah. really, he really did set up this program for people to go to. Yeah. But then the next 10 years start. And Uh-oh. of course, everything goes apeshit. So in 1968, two things happened that changed everything. They had started a, what they call a club for the non-addicts that wanted to come and play the game. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was at one point 3,400 members of this club. Holy, of the non? Of non-addicts. Oh but they would God. go down to that crazy place on the beach and they would go do these sessions and get real with everybody and yell and be told things about themselves. Mm. And um, so Charles decides to open up the community 
Um, because you were, when you were there, you had to, when you signed up, you got there, you immediately quit your, whatever drug or drink cold turkey. Uh-huh. So you just had to get through the, your, um, withdrawals and withdrawals shit. and everything by yourself or like you know just wrapped up in a towel or whatever yeah. and then you had to stay um at the facility uh for two years and what? that's and that's how you that's how you rehabbed um so there was so that's in when they started the house in venice he really was giving people who are like you know heroin addicts that were yeah. literally on the street a place to live jobs things to do yeah um they moved to the venice I'm sorry. They moved to the San Monica Beach, uh, uh, the the crazy hotel. Like if you saw mm-hmm. this place, it's so crazy that there was a rehab center there. Yeah, um, an un- unqualified rehab yeah. center, and so everyone starts working at the rehab center. So, yeah. so um, they decide that the people who have joined the club um, are now allowed to, with uh, hundreds of dollars a month donation, uh, they're allowed to live in the facility and experience the lifestyle. So we just don't do drugs. Yeah, but it's the um, yeah. you know you learn to play a, a, a instrument or you like whatever chop vegetables or whatever yeah. you do. You do whatever and participate in the cult. Well, in the organization right. um, without having to be an addict. And so that was that brought in a whole other revenue stream. And That's so weird. But then also Charles made a new rule which was instead of the two years because what was really happening in reality um uh which went against his 80 to 100 percent success rate mm-hmm. uh the fact was that when people would leave after two years they would immediately right. um go back to doing drugs and so he decides he tells everybody um instead of two years you now have to live for the rest of your life here. What? And that's how you're not, you get clean and then you take all of that um, health and well-being and you put it back into the organization and you stay. That's bananas. It's crazy. But that's what people started doing. So it becomes this like, it's like a commune. It's yeah. like he's trying to build a utopian society. Yeah. There's he, you know, that's his whole line of thinking. And the, the pitch is like, we're gonna, we're remaking how you live. Yeah. And that's why those lifestylers would come to live because they're like, I'm not on drugs, but I love that's this idea. It, that's when it sounds like a cult to me. That's, as soon as this that happened, it sounds like a cult that you live here forever now. Yeah. Like, then it's like, okay, uh, this is a fucking call. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's the number one rule is um, giving your entire life over to right. someone else's made up belief system right. that they, they they were not qualified to make up in the first place. Yeah. And, and then they have no a- autonomy anymore. Right. But, yeah. That the idea is no autonomy. They like yeah. that. Yeah. And that's crazy. Yeah. And but but all these people do it and smart people and talented people and people who are have uh, lawyers and yeah. doctors and shit like that. So they're, they really are starting to build this community and it's making a ton of money and it's branching out everywhere. There's people everywhere, even if they're not addicts that are kind of devotees to the Synanon organization. So he, he starts calling it, uh, when he says, now you're going to stay here for life, he starts calling it, it's not a rehab facility anymore. It's a human progressive program. Um, (laughs) beam me up Scotty do you want to progress then you better stay in this hotel on the beach sounds like a human progressive program that just sounds like 
a way to mask like if you were to be like it's you're not eating human flesh you're eating <laughs> the protein of a you know of your fellow man uh, right um, this is like rewording something really awful well and also i think it speaks to how much the game mm-hmm. instead of being this like i had a breakthrough it was actually breaking people down yeah because it is detrimental to your ego right. and to your self-esteem and everything to have people just being like you know what I hate about you? Where it's like, then also like the people who are yelling all these things at you, like they're getting this fucking complex too, probably where they're getting total boners by screaming at people and telling them how fucked up they are. Of course. And everyone, and you know, if you're whatever it is that's going on there, yeah. if you're not sleeping, whatever kind of, if you're on a restrictive diet, yeah. if you don't have enough like protein in your system or too much sugar. And you're an addict who fucking already drugs and shit. Yes. So you you already have tendencies like for me if I'm not drinking or if I'm not doing drugs then I'm just doing something else yeah. to the extreme I'll yeah. shop all day long mm-hmm. like weird shit and that's the personality because it's about like it's about consuming consuming and quantity yeah and all this it's so crazy and you don't trust your own brain yeah so so essentially he breaks people down brainwashes them mm-hmm. to believe that they need to live there mm-hmm. and then they're like you're right i do want to be in rehab for the rest yeah. of my life okay i can't because i can't i tried it and i can't function in society so yeah i'm gonna yep. fucking stay here it's so much easier to be here be sober and yeah. just do whatever this guy says. Man, I was in rehab for 14 days and I was like, get me the fuck out of here. <laughs> you noped out. I noped out. I was 14 and I knew better. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, so they take, they're taking the whole time they're taking this money and buying big amounts of property with this money. Mm-hmm. So they buy in Oakland, they bought, I think it was called the Athens Athletic Club, which was this big, gorgeous old building cost $10 million. Oh my God. Yeah. And they're, and they're basically, you know, putting these rehab centers in places where they're really needed. Yeah. Or, you know, there might be a bunch of drug addicts or whatever. And then it's just basically they're like absorbing up all of the people of society that like AA doesn't, isn't right. going to deal with them. Right. The cops don't want to deal with them or whatever. So they just are like, yeah, now you'll live in this big, house yeah we've and solved never your, leave we've solved your problem yeah. you're not gonna do drugs and you have a place to live and work for the rest of your life yeah now do every single thing we say right so um so they're doing that all around and basically when the authorities start hearing about the lifelong rehab uh <laughs> facility uh-huh. thing they smell a rat but before they can investigate and they had so many lawyers and they had sure. so much money. It reminds me so much of the bad blood thing I went on and on about mm-hmm. last week, but or last time it's that thing where when you have so much money that you don't have to do what n- the normal law says yeah, and that people can't fight you and you know it. So you just break people. Yeah. Like that's, it's, that's what happened here. So before, anyone can do anything about you're not allowed to have a lifelong rehab center and they move <laughs> out of southern california uh-huh. and they move up to marshall which is basically the town which is tiny tiny uh-huh. that's in that area that i was talking about that's outside on, of petaluma that's on fucking uh car sickness road it's basically halfway between my hometown and bodega bay Holy center shit. of car sickness right wow so they first first land in tamales which was our rival high school okay we used to play tamales and hate them uh-huh. and uh it's hilarious but there was nothing else around it's yeah, like yeah. both schools had 300 kids yeah um 
but then that was the, they bought like an old radio station in Tamales, but then they ended up buying, um, Walker Creek Ranch, which was a 1700 acre ranch. Wow. That was, I mean, like, right. It's so funny. It's just right where I grew up. And, uh, they begin this utopian society, like on this ranch. Mm -hmm. So they build these hexagonal yurt type of things, these buildings that are in hexagon shape so they don't need heating mm-hmm. you know they don't need like they're they're doing all these things kind of to be the cheapest it's like the cheapest way they can live because mm-hmm. they they have to house like thousands of people mm-hmm. um they all start wearing overalls oh you lost me yeah um in my child's memory they were not wearing overalls on those bikes they were yeah. wearing like almost like Hari krishna white maybe things. they were higher ups or something Ooh. Yeah. Maybe they had bike privileges and yeah. they were in charge. <laughs> that you don't have to bike. You don't, you, no one can bike in overalls. <laughs> Everyone knows that. No, it's flowing cloth that yes. you want to bike in. <laughs> you got to. White cloth <laughs> near spokes. Um, at some point to show solidarity, solidarity with the men, all the women shave their heads. And I swear, I mean, I know it's a cool look, especially if you like, have a nose ring or you know you're a punk or whatever but seeing just like a bunch of 37 year old women wearing Uh like glasses that of the day those Uh weird round secretary glasses but with shaved heads is so unnerving yeah it's really crazy Well, there's something about a group of people with perfectly shaved heads like more than one <laughs> essentially yes. like with the same length hair that you're like they're up to something that's a gang they're up to something no good it's a gang or a concentration camp like <laughs> nothing good yeah. nothing good is yeah. that visual totally it, it it's upsetting yeah totally. so um they also uh they declare charles declares synanon is now a church and so he gets tax free status Shit. because, because they can't be, they're not a nonprofit anymore. Right. Which is what they were when they were centered in Santa Monica. Right. Um, so he has to make that change. So now they're a church, they're tax free and all the money that they're starting to make is just go straight into his pocket. And they had started getting people, um, to pe- base. This is something the Moonies did too. They basically got the, the members who were in like full like cult mode to go out and get donations from businesses and from like individuals uh-huh. and uh that the donations made up a huge a huge amount of the income of the of the organization because there would just be these like shaved heads yeah. like like zealots that were like getting like, we're a, religion people we're a religion and we're we're curing people of addiction okay yeah. um so they were really selling that that point at this point charles has married his third wife betty and he sets up something called the wire where it's essentially a PA system that goes to every building they own. Ugh. And then he hangs a microphone. Uh, the, the one article I read, it said it, they hung it right above his seat at the dinner table. And he would just sit there and talk all day and all he night. He sounds like Jim Jones. Yes. It's totally Jim Jones. And it's the same time period too, isn't it? It, in fact, 
a month when they went down. Well, we'll, we'll get to that later. Okay. Will you remind me? Yes. Okay. I actually, there's part of that in my story too. So I can, is there really? Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's totally Jim Jones where he's, it's just droning on about what they are versus the outside so you world. You never like have thoughts. Nope. And it's always him. It's what yeah. he's telling you it is. So he's telling you the outside world is, you know, we need to keep together. This society is the best way to live. Mm-hmm. The outside world is trying to make us addicts again. Mm-hmm. We can't let that happen. Um, and he's just brainwashing constantly um brainwashing everybody um in october of 1972 the san francisco examiner uh runs two articles about synanon one describing it as quote the racket of the century <laughs> and synanon sues the hearst corporation for 40 million dollars holy shit that's ballsy it's super ballsy they what's crazy is um the hearst Hearst settles out of court with them for $600,000. Hearst g- gives them fucking... Gives them almost a million dollars just to go away. Shit. And they see that as this huge victory. Yeah. Now, not only do they have all, um, way more money, yeah. but then they also are keeping people from from exposing them, essentially. Yeah. yeah. And so then it, then it kicks up a notch. In 1974, Synanon starts contacting parole officers around the Bay Area, asking if they have any juvenile offenders Uh-oh. because they'll take them in. Yeah. And so the, the, the court system starts sending juvenile offenders Shit. to Synanon. And it's like, yeah, it's such a bummer. It's kind of like the, what later on is like those outward bound kind of yeah. like, are you a bad kid? We'll make you hike it off. Oh God. <clears throat> Except for Synanon was just this ranch and these, these, it was mostly boys. They would show up and they were just like, what the fuck is this? Mm-hmm. And they were, of course, made to do the game mm-hmm. and they were made to, but they, none of them wanted to do it. So yeah. they weren't there voluntarily and they weren't addicts. So th- they were rebe- rebellious. Yeah. And so they were like, yeah, fuck this game and I'm not doing this. And yeah. Fuck you if you're telling me I'm a piece of shit. And like they fought everything. Yeah. They were made to march like day and night. Oh my God. They got w- woken up in the middle of the night, made to march. And when they rebelled, when they, they were trying to do the game, um and Charles Diedrich realized they weren't going to be willing participants he removed the one tenant of the organization that the organization was founded on which was no violence <gasps> yeah and he starts this thing called the Imperial Marines oh, no. <laughs> which is basically his muscle security within the cult the imperial marines the imperial marines That's so when these punks are up doing the game and they're not playing three guys walk up and just beat the living shit out of a kid and with all the other kids sitting there watching so the kids start running away from this ranch yeah but you're out this is okay i'm telling you now i've complained that like oh we couldn't get pizza delivered yeah. and we never had cable and all that shit yeah out where these people are, there's no street lights. You yeah. are out in the middle of nowhere and it's pitch black at night. You see, it's like the stars and the moon are your light. And that's fucking it. And cars driving down the street. And one car would drive by maybe once every four hours. Oh like you're out in the middle of nowhere. So these kids would 
uh, get up in the middle of the night and run away and they would go to the neighbor's ranch and the neighbors were two people named Alvin and Doris Gambanini. Mm -hmm. Now the Gambanini's ranch was really well known in Petaluma because they used to have these big barn dances out there. So if you lived in Petaluma, you would go out, you pay like 10 bucks and they had like live music and people would dance and they had a bar and it was like a whole thing that Mm -hmm. they used to do. It's very country of like, we'll, we'll have our own bar. I love it. We'll make our own fun. So, and the Gambanini family you know they were they were um cattle ranchers i can't i can't remember if they they were dairymen or if they actually bred cattle mm-hmm. but they had a humongous ranch of their own so they were like when the you know when they moved in it was just like oh no who are these weirdos mm-hmm. but for the most part people kept to themselves yeah. it was not that big of a deal well suddenly in the middle of the night you know teenagers they have teenagers knocking on the door who are beaten senseless there's one kid there was a really amazing obituary when doris died when she died they talked about all of this involvement that they had you know against their will but kids would knock on the door they'd bring them in she would comfort them she would give them something to eat and then alvin would pay for their bus ticket home holy shit and they would be the ones that were like getting these kids out of this cult and they said in this obituary that she kept all the thank you letters from the parents (sighs) when the kids finally got back home and were like these are the people that helped us get there oh my god so the gambaninis were like huge in helping these poor trapped children and these poor people who were just like out in the middle of nowhere but they so the rumor starts going around town that like that these people are getting violent and they're getting militaristic and they're starting to buy guns Mm -hmm. and so they're starting to get worried and they're like there's a there's a they own a they have a common fence line there's an easement on it from the walker ranch side and they're like starting to get worried about Mm -hmm. who owns what and like it's starting to get worrisome and and they start finding out that the kids are running away and the gambinis are helping them escape Mm -hmm. and one night alvin and doris are driving up their driveway to go home and their truck gets surrounded Mm. by all these shaved head overall people with hammers and they attack the truck they bust out the driver's side window (gasps) they grab alvin and doris has to hold him and keep him in the truck because they're going to pull him out to beat the shit out of him and they get away they um get home they get safe they actually knocked out alvin's front teeth what the fuck yeah and so like it's fucking like it's on it's like war with them and everybody around them and it's really violent. It's yeah. like they're, they're, they are letting people around the area know. There was another story about somebody in a purple truck hit a, a Synanon member who was on a bicycle. Uh-uh. And. Oh, that's why your mom was like, give yes, them a wide fucking berth. That's what it is. <gasps> because then they went into the town of Tamales, found a purple truck, waited for the guy to get into his truck, and then beat the living shit out of the guy that was in the truck. Holy shit. So the, they're going crazy. And it's all being fed by Charles Diedrich on the wire, yeah. telling everybody that everyone's trying to get them. Yeah. And they need to get, get before they get got type of shit. Yeah. So. In 1977. Oh, and by the way, just just because it's like you then you hear that story about the Gambinis and you're like, so call the cops, have them fucking arrested. But these people had legal teams. They had so much money and they had so many lawyers. They knew that if they called the cops on them, they get arrested, they get out and then the revenge would come. So they didn't do anything. Um and they found out that over 20,000 businesses and organizations were giving to or interacting with Synanon by the late 70s. Oh, my God. So uh, it's one out of five 
corporations in the Fortune 500 were donating or doing business with the organization. What the shit? Like they were, they had infiltrated all these places yeah. under the guise of we're helping addicts get clean. We're yeah. the new, we're a rehab center. Yeah. Okay. So in 1977, Charles wife, Betty dies of cancer. Okay. And this is when it all goes crazy okay. because up until this point, it's crazy enough, yeah. but they said that his weirdest, craziest tendencies, she was keeping under control. Yeah. And when she dies, he now decides he's going to have, he's going to pick a new mate. He picks a, he's in his, um, Late 60s, mm -hmm. he picks a 31-year-old. Mm -mm. Then he decides no one should be married. Um, if he can fall in love with a stranger, so can anybody else. So mm. all the married couples have to, they're switching partners. No. And the, and the cult decides who their new partners are. They put out, they make a big spreadsheet. Oh my God. And reassign everybody's partners. It's like partners. a fucking wedding dining seating yeah. chart. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the fuck? But so that year that he decided to do that, 600 couples got divorced. What? So they could be reorganized into different couples. And that's true love. It's so, so crazy. And in the he never liked kids being around, so he'd always kept them separate and mm -hmm. that would always be like, you can see your kid once a week. Mm -hmm. And for, in the early days, for a lot of people, they were like, you're insane. Mm -hmm. But then, of course, later on, it was how it should be. Mm -hmm. So all the kids were kept at the school, what they called the school, and they basically listened to his teachings, were taught to worship mm -hmm. him. Oh, my God. The little kids did the game. Like oh, my God. <laughs> there, what the There's fuck? a picture. You can look it up. There's a picture online of a little boy <gasps> sitting in a chair yelling like he's doing it to somebody <gasps> we'll else. put it on Instagram, guys. It's fucking nuts. Oh okay, so... So everybody, everybody gets a new husband or wife. Great. Um, he tells all the men they have to get vasectomies. Any woman who's pregnant has to get an abortion. No. They're shamed into getting abortions. Yes. Because he doesn't want kids there. Holy shit. Yes. So the health department, there, there's been complaints everywhere, but nobody mm -hmm. can take action. Mm -hmm. so the health department contacts Synanon to say they're going to come and inspect the ranch because they have gotten reports of child abuse there. Mm -hmm. And Synanon's Charles basically tells them if you show up you're going to get a beat down holy shit yeah um, and they think that be when he won the lawsuit against Hearst mm -hmm. Publishing they think that's what made him start to believe he had all the power yeah. and that like basically his money was going to buy him yeah. out of everything so but these but hearing that he's getting more and more paranoid yeah and his and his what he's saying on the wire across the wire mm -hmm. is getting more and more paranoid and all about basically it's turning into a militaristic yeah. thing he then decides he has to cut out the uncommitted members of the organization and he brings the membership down to a thousand people hmm. so uh, sounds like it was pretty huge at one point. Yeah. But he basically is so paranoid that even the people that are there that are shaved heads, vasectomies, dedicated their whole life, he's like, not enough, you're out. Damn, look, they got lucky. I know, for real. So then August 1978, the NBC Nightly News airs a segment about Synanon mm -hmm. and how it's a cult. And after the broadcast, several executives, um, NBC executives and corporate chairmen get hundreds of death threats <gasps> hundreds of death threats because there's so many uh -huh. synonym members kind of like all around um and supporters of it and then soon after this uh two members of the imperial marines <laughs> put a de-rattled four and a half foot diamondback rattlesnake <gasps> into the mailbox of attorney paul morantz he reaches in to get no. his mail he gets bitten by a 
four and a half foot rattlesnake. No. Humongous. And he is hospitalized for six days. So Holy shit. What happened was Paul Morantz brought a, a lawsuit against Synanon because, and I'll try to tell this the quickest way possible, but essentially what happened in 1977, this woman was ha- kind of having a nervous breakdown. Her husband was really worried about her. He was like, they were trying to make a plan of where they could bring her, what to do. Mm-hmm. And he had her drop him off at work. And she went to the family planning clinic in our neighborhood to ask if she could have a tranquilizer because she was like she was having she was having like all these thoughts and she couldn't calm down she couldn't stop crying and she was losing her shit and the woman who worked at this family planning center was uh-huh. in Synanon and so she was she sent her to Synanon they take her in they don't let her leave she's like no 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 I don't want to be here uh-huh. and they're like no you need to be here and she's like I need to call my husband and they're like no he wants you to be here he doesn't want you holy shit and he, they're like we're your family now they keep her for two days in that Santa Monica uh-huh. crazy hotel on the beach and then they ship her what they the bus fuck? her up to Walker Creek Ranch where they do the game on her, they do all the shit, and she has a psychotic break. Oh my god! Because she's like the, kidnapped. She's yeah, been kidnapped. she's been kidnapped. She's been told her husband doesn't want to be married to her anymore, yeah. and that this is her new life. Oh my god! So when they finally, so the husband, of course, is frantic. He calls yeah. the police. They say there's nothing they can do. She's a grown woman. If she wants to join that yeah. cult, she can. Yeah. Like all that shit, he can't get anybody to help, and he finally gets referred to Paul. Marantz, the attorney mm-hmm. who had had a little bit of experience of getting people who had been put into nursing homes against their will. Oh, wow. He, that's how he had kind of started. And so he was like, and he, he, he heard the story and was like, I absolutely have to do this. Wow. This is fucking crazy. Cause he finds out when he calls like the health department and all that, the people are like talking in whispers, like, yeah, we, we really can't do anything yeah. and whatever. And he's like, who are these people? So he devises this plan. He has the husband call the wife. He demand, like, they demand to talk on the phone. And then he basically says, keep asking her if she wants to come home until you get her to say she wants to come home so that we have the verbal, mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah. thing that she's being held against her will. And then he went in and was like, now we're taking her. And they were like, fine, you can take her. She's like, cause she wasn't contributing yeah. in any way that was meaningful. She couldn't go out and get donations. She's psychotic. Yeah. And so they said, you just have to sign this waiver saying that we're not responsible for anything that happened to her <gasps> while she was at Walker Creek Ranch. And he was like, sounds great. I'll sign that waiver. Signs the waiver as the attorney. They leave and he slaps on the lawsuit for what happened to her in Santa Monica oh, when nice. she first got taken. Yeah. Because he was like, are you crazy? Yeah. Like, we're taking you down. Yeah. So he sues them for damages and they end. he wins and they have to pay him $300,000. Oh, my God. And so that's when... Uh, Charles Diedrich is like, we have to take care of this guy yeah. and sends out two members of the Imperial Guard to put a fucking rattlesnake in his mailbox. That's crazy. Which absolutely would have killed him. Yeah. Like a snake that size. Yeah. So insane. Okay. So that basically is the beginning of the end. When that story breaks that they have done this thing, they get caught like it's all mm-hmm. immediate on top of the news reports that had started to trickle mm-hmm. out. They go and they arrest Charles Diedrich. He's drunk when they arrest <gasps> him. So this it didn't work. No, this whole time he's been running this fucking cult. He's been drinking 
and and apparently at one point he reintroduced acid where he was like yeah and you guys can't drink or do drugs but you but we should all be doing acid yeah. because it's gonna help us open probably up so bored having to stay in that fucking ranch all day he's <laughs> like you know what acid's fine now. acid's fine too but he was completely a, a drunk he agrees to a plea bargain to avoid jail time mm-hmm. because his lawyers say that his health is so bad that he wouldn't he would die if he went to jail mm-hmm. he in that plea agreement, he it stipulates he has to discontinue serving as an officer and the director of Synanon. And the other two cult members um, plead no contest and they end up going to jail, even though they were brainwashed into fucking doing it wow. by him for him. Yeah. So in 1980, and this is the coolest part, and this is the part where like the movie will be based all around these people, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. There's a tiny so point Reyes is a tiny town oh yeah they that's, got good cheese that's right right north of the golden gate bridge if you basically went left instead of up the freeway mm-hmm. and you went stick to the coast mm-hmm. point Reyes is right there there's a very famous lighthouse and it's like it's gorgeous mm-hmm. they have a newspaper there called the point the point Reyes light mm-hmm. and in 1975 it was bought by husband and wife dave and kathy mitchell and so They've owned it for five years. Mm-hmm. They keep hearing these stories about Synodon. So in 1980, they, along with Professor Richard Offshe, um, who taught at Berkeley, mm-hmm. they write an expose mm-hmm. of Synodon and the articles that come out in this paper break nationwide basically crack the story open like as this what it is and they end up winning the pulitzer holy shit for it this tiny newspaper in a town that probably has 800 people yeah um so basically the irs gets rid of synon's tax exempt Mm -hmm. status and orders them to pay 17 million dollars in back taxes for all those years that they pretended to be a religion that's gotta hurt Uh uh-huh so they go bankrupt and by 1991 they're disbanded although there is a branch of Mm. synon that was founded in germany in 1971 Mm. that still exists to this day (laughs) <laughs> oh my god and richard diedrich died in 1997 which means he completely could have gone to jail yeah um and should have because really he made those two guys sure. who were just brainwashed cult members do it um but he didn't and oh and then R- richard offshe that professor um says that of the six to ten thousand residents of synanon between 1958 and 1968 only 65 people were ever rehabilitated and lived normal lives in society afterwards what the fuck that the entire thing was a fucking lie well no shit and that is the cult of synanon dude that's the craziest story i've never heard of in my life isn't it the best yeah shave your head Okay. Um, <laughs> okay, I'll do whatever. But I'm not wearing overalls. <laughs> that's where that's where I drop. I'll join a cult. I'll shave my head. I'll fucking handle snakes. Not wearing overalls. <laughs> You'll put a snake in a mailbox I'll put a snake if need anywhere. Be, but not. No. You won't go so far as to wear overalls. No. Well, that was amazing. Great. Thank Great you. Great job. I thank you. Um, I should be. All right. Well, <laughs> I just get. I sometimes get these like. Uh, you know that nervous, fluttery feeling you get in your heart? Yeah. Like when I'm about to start my story? Yeah. Sometimes I get those and I'm just like, you know, nervous. <laughs> well, you are about to tell me something terrible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But just like suddenly I have to give a presentation. Oh, right. Know? Like it doesn't happen when we go on stage. But for some reason, like right now, it's like, it's all you, dude. Don't forget your gestures. Don't fuck this up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. 
So Webster's Dictionary defines. <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry. Go ahead. No, I wrote a rap uh, about the the murder to the song of the mom spaghetti. <laughs> no, okay. Okay, so I'm really obsessed with this uh, podcast right now called Teacher's Pet that I can't stop listening to. That's this investigative journalist podcast about this probable murder in Australia in the 80s. So that's where my fucking brain is right now. I was listening to it while I was in Hawaii. Me too. And did you really? That's what my Hawaii was. We didn't talk about though. No. That's funny. Yeah. And I was, I kept doing the thing where I fell asleep listening to it. Yeah. So I would listen consciously to two episodes yeah. and then subconsciously to eight. Yeah. And it was weird because then I would re-listen to like, oh, now I'm on the third one. But like, I'd be like, I, I know what's going to happen. That. This is weird. Uh, yeah, I do that too. It's such a good, it's, it's such a good podcast. It's though. so good. And it's like, it's like, it's going to break as it's happening right now. Like there's no, it's, it's great. So and, let's, and so creepy. So creepy. Okay. I love it. So my brain is there right now. Um, and so I'm I'm doing a, a, a story in Australia, same time period. I am doing the death of uh, Azaria Chamberlain, aka a dingo ate my baby. Oh my god! I know. This is no wonder you have butterflies. Yeah, this is a this is an epic story. It's an epic story. It's fucking horrible. It's I didn't know, and like this is a. I used to hear that we used to say this joke, a dingo ate my baby in in elementary school here in the States as kids. And I didn't fucking know what it meant. Right. And up until I really did all this research, I didn't completely know. Um, But it's bananas. So I hate just have I hate to say that a dingo ate my baby like a joke because it's not a joke. It's horrible. But that's just what everyone knows it as. Right. Wait, was it very it was almost like uh completely separated from the movie and it was more of people like to do that accent it was a, yeah it was a playground version of throw another shrimp on the barbie yeah it sounds funny and silly nobody knows what a fucking dingo i didn't know what a dingo was until yeah. like you know an adult so it's not like little kids were saying a dog ate my baby yeah. and people are like ha 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 a lion ate a baby no yeah that's not with that right or i think it was even a dingo took my baby it's stole eight. my baby eight. eight okay it's eight um all right, so the Chamberlain family consisted of 38-year-old Michael. He was, this family's all Seventh-day Adventists, and he's a pastor for Seventh-day Adventists. His wife of ten, 10 years, Lindy, she's 34, and they live in the northern, in northern Queensland mining town of Mount uh, Isa with their three children, a, a six-year-old boy named Aiden, a four-year-old boy named Regan, and their infant little girl, Azaria, who's 10 weeks old. Oh. Um, the couple's like super attractive. Um, they're like cool, whatever. She has a Dorothy Hamill haircut and wears the 80s dresses that I fucking am obsessed with, with no bra, like that stylish kind of thing. Yeah, she, of the day. Yes. And in the eventual made-for-TV movie, A Cry in the Dark, she's played by Meryl fucking Streep. So you right. can imagine she was very beautiful. Now, was that a made-for-TV movie or was it a full-on? It was on a movie. You're right. Full-on movie. Thank yeah. you for Corrections Corner. Just he, because Meryl Streep doesn't do no, made-for-TV. No, you're TV. correct. I think it, I think I see a movie from the 80s and it looks so corny that I'm like, there's no way this had this had to be well and also it had that thing of like a family torn apart you know it has all those pieces right right. but you're right and the um the father's played by sam neal yes 
Who's the great Sam Neill. Yeah, you know him from Jurassic Park. And Twitter. He has the best Twitter Shut feed. Up. He is the best on Twitter. He just shows pictures of all the animals on his farm. Oh my god. And like and basically it'll be like him with a duck leaning in and he'll be like, no, oh, the life or whatever. It's, wow. You have to follow Sam Neill. He's doing Twitter right. Yes. If he's on Twitter for 68 hours, hours a week, then he's on <laughs> Wait, can I just say one more thing? Yeah. Sam Neill is also on Peaky Blinders. Okay. Moment of silence for Peaky Blinders. Okay. All right. Season five coming coming to you soon. <laughs> Email Karen. Tell her <laughs> the Peaky Blinderinos. <laughs> I can't. Please don't do that. I'll have a nervous breakdown. I can't handle it. Okay, so we're in August 1980. We're fucking picking up where you left off, basically. The family goes on a camping trip to Central Australia's most famous natural feature, Ayers Rock. It fucking basically looks like a desert version of the mashed potato uh, <laughs> sculpture that they make in Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Yep. You know? I just saw... I just started watching... Uh, Zachary Quinto's new version of In Search Of. Do you oh, remember In yeah. Search Of from Leonard Nimoy? That's so amazing that it's Leonard Nimoy and Zachary Quinto plays him because he played Leonard Nimoy. Yes! And he I also is that. interested in all the weird stuff. <gasps> and I love Zachary Quinto. He's and great. at the very beginning of that thing, they had this beautiful time lapse shot of Ayers Rock. Uh-uh. And yes, because I watched it last night and went, that's, that's so weird. All Karen. I could think of was what a great shot it was because they did this thing where like the star, it shows the stars, how many stars you can see because yeah. you're in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And it's gorgeous. And it's like, you see the entire like swooping across the sky the way they do it i yeah. love that like when you can see the milky way in the sky i have to watch that's i love it that's amazing okay. um it's in the northern territory of australia uh you gotta you gotta be like why would you bring it I, the thought of fucking camping with a 10 week old baby sounds horrible but so yeah. i am i thought of camping with myself sounds horrible so <laughs> i'm not the person to talk to about that not your style no they pitch a tent next to their car at a campsite. There's other campers there. It's, you know, it's a populated place. It's not like they were all by themselves or anything. Right. Um, that day, they did normal camping people stuff. Like, uh, the boys all went hiking, and the, the mom, you know, kind of just wandered around, looked around at shit. And um, Lindy later said that she had seen a dingo cave. I'm sorry, a dingo near a cave, and she felt uneasy and it's found it staring at her and she said she had a feeling that the dog was casing the baby and um like okay so then i write so what's a dingo <laughs> D- uh, webster's dictionary defines a dingo as right. it's so weird that you knew i was gonna do that so uh, what the fuck is a dingo right. it's basically a fucking wild uh feral dog you know and it, it that makes you think it's really cute so you're like oh it's not that harm it's like harmless but it's not it's like a coyote it's like a coyote yeah the dingo, it's a medium-sized canine, lean, hardy body, blah, 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 blah. Uh, some of its prey includes kangaroos, cattle, water buffaloes, and horses. And it's a dog size. So imagine, like, to have to a, take a it down. A dog attacking a horse? Yeah. So, so they're fucking serious. They're serious. Their jaws, like, apparently open wider than, like, regular dogs and stuff. They're, like, fucking scary. And they're, like, scavengers. You're not going to fucking tame a, this dog. No. Um, so, uh, so that night... On August 17th, 1980, I was just maybe two months old at that point. Oh. Two months old, baby. Oh, my God. I was the same age as her. Okay. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Shit. Uh, no, it's not. It's actually not that interesting. 
<laughs> I mean, but it's personal, which is fun. Yeah. Uh, 8 p.m. So it's well after dark. Those stars are up in the sky. Lindy finishes breastfeeding Azaria, takes her to the tent. The tent's about 30 feet from the picnic table where everyone's kind of congregating and hanging out. Places the baby in the bassinet on the ground though like makes a little makeshift bed covers her with blankets then she takes one of the boys who wanted something to eat over to the back to the picnic table and that boy for the rest of his fucking life is probably traumatized Uh and has to have so much therapy you have to feel so bad for these kids um at 8 15 p.m the chamberlains and the other campers hear sharp cries from azaria in the tent they hear the baby cry out Uh lindy fucking books it for the tent just as she sees the dingo run out of the tent with something in its mouth. She goes into the tent. She's fucking looking in the, you know, blankets for the baby and can't find her. Runs out of the uh, tent, runs in the direction of the fleeing dingo and yells, help, a dingo's got my baby. Um, there. The adjacent... The other campers form a search party. They are, there's a, uh, authorities and local residents eventually totaling over 300 volunteers, including Aborigine expert trackers with their dogs come and people are fucking trying to find this oh. fucking dingo lair where this dingo took the baby. Dingo paw prints were noted in the sand outside the tent. The trail and the trail is followed, which shows marks indicating a dingo was partly dragging an object, periodically setting it down, maybe to rest or to readjust its grip. And where the where the object was put down, uh, the depressions contain the imprint of a knitted garment. Oh. So it's pretty clear what, what had happened. Right. Um, the trail indicated the destination towards known dingo dens, but they lose they lose the track uh, and couldn't they couldn't follow it any further. So. Initially, at this point, everyone's like, clearly, this is exactly what happened. There's no doubting their stories by authorities or anyone. Um, and a dingo was seen in the campground before dark by campers that same night. And one of the other campers said that a dingo had, and she ended up testifying, had tried to uh, grab her older daughter by the arm. like, And they were feeding the dingo, like throwing food at it. Kind of, they were like, you know, not scared of them. Right. Um Sorry, but it, the way you just said that of tried grabbed her daughter by the arm, it seemed like the dingo hooked his arm <laughs> with her arm, like, get over here. Get over here, you. <laughs> We're going to do. Come to my cave. Let's skip. <clears throat> um, but no. No. With its mouth. Aggressive dog shit. Yeah. Dog stuff. Yes. Um, and other campers heard a dog growl minutes before the baby. They heard the baby's cry. So everyone was backing them up. Also, a park, the park ranger had recently warned that the dingo population was increasing and becoming very aggressive and had wanted to make, you know, do extra things to make sure people knew that. Um, and the following days, dingoes in the area are fucking shot and killed mm. and their stomach contents gone through to see if there's any human bone or human protein. Um, but there's no sign of his area and the chamberlains return home. Just so awful, so horrible. Um, okay, then a week later, August twenty fourth, nineteen eighty, a photographer is shooting in the area. His name's Wally Goodwin, and he notices some baby clothes in the brush, and uh, found are a bloody jumpsuit, booties, diaper, and an undershirt, all belonging to his area. Um, Zaria, sorry, and he is like. I know what this is. He doesn't touch anything. He doesn't want to disturb it. He doesn't even take photographs of it. He fucking calls the authorities. They come. And he's really fucking surprised when one of the cops reaches down with his bare hand and just grabs one of the clothing before he even takes a photograph of where oh. everything is laid. Oh, no. Yeah. 
Um, he quickly examines the clothes, maybe to look for bones. I don't know why. Um, and then attempts to place the clothing back in the way it was, but it, he lays it, uh, it, it looks placed because it's, it is placed, which makes, leads to people thinking that it was placed there by the parents, the clothes, right. and it was staged. Um, so, da 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 da. Okay. So they also failed to properly examine and photograph the tent's interior. So there's no proper photos of those things. Uh, blood, vegetation, and hair samples found on Azaria's clothing are examined and the tears and the fibers are studied to see if it's, you know, what a fucking dog or dingo attack would look like. Um, and then at a wildlife reserve, dingoes are tossed meat wrapped in a baby's diapers so that the marks on the diapers could be studied and compared to Azaria's. Right. Um, the media and the public go fucking bat shit. Like this is their OJ Simpson trial. And the, like, they go crazy for this story. Everyone is like torn on whether a dingo did it or not. People are like, there's no way a dingo would do that. Um, dingoes did do shit like that, but it was usually the aboriginal uh, people, so they didn't, so, you know, white people, white people didn't care. Didn't give a shit. Yeah. And didn't like, uh, hear about it. Yeah. Um, blah, 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 blah. okay. So, of course, uh, as is always the case with this type of things, uh, the Chamberlains, their demeanor is scrutinized by the media and the public. They, they don't observe what they would expect from a couple that had just tragically lost their child. And I kind of fucking get it. Cause it, I mean, it's totally, it's creepy. So Lynn is asked in this one interview uh, if she was surprised that the clothing that was found was hardly torn because there was just one tear by the neck and one little tear in the arm, not a ton of blood. Um, and she calmly describes, and there's video of it, of how a dingo, uh, how a dingo attacks its prey and that it paws at the prey, you know, say like a fucking kangaroo to rip the skin off. And she says, peel it like an orange. So that's probably what happened with the clothes and why there wasn't a lot like bite marks and shit on the clothes they just peeled it off but she's talking about her fucking baby and she's like so stony faced and not fucking reacting at all and it's weird but we all know that you know you can't we all know now that you can't judge someone's grieving process but it's fucking weird well and also could she be on like xanax or some kind of intense medicine that's well, here's what she is, is a, is a seventh day Adventist. And their, uh, their, the, their belief is that, uh, whatever happens is God will and they trusted in it. So they weren't in mourning. That's what some people say. Oh, they were like, yeah, she, God wanted her this to happen. They're not like, they're not devastated. And at seventh day Adventist, fucking tell me about, email me if I'm Well, wrong. I mean, you're in mourning because you still have lost your child, right. but you, there's something, it's not that thing of like clawing at your hair going, why, why, why? Right. Or like, you know, yeah. But still, like, yeah. But e- either way, like, it is so crazy that it's only 30 years ago or whatever, but yeah, that it's such a different thing now because it's like, you don't. Who knows who slips people pills when yeah. they're like, oh, you're in the worst grief of your life. They'll just take this for next two weeks or well, whatever. Of course, in an interview, she has a point where she's like, if I had been crying they, and bawling, they would have said that I was faking and acting. If And then when I, if I had a stony face, they would have said I was heartless, which is what they ended up doing. Also, she's really beautiful, which, of course, just turns people against her immediately as well. Yeah, yeah that's right. Um so newspapers, the, like the media, this is on the front of every, it sells so many fucking newspapers that any little thing they could get, 
and they were being fed a lot of secret information from the police, uh, they would print it. So newspapers feel suspicion that they'd killed their baby uh because also Seventh-day Adventists at this time in Australia is really misunderstood. No one really knows much about it. Uh, they report that rumors that the Chamberlains killed their baby, possibly as religious sacrifice. Oh, no. To atone for the sins of their church. Or they were somehow linked to the Jonestown mass suicide that happened two years earlier. So they think it's either culty or they think like they're witches and they had sacrificed her yeah um we didn't talk about your jonestown thing. it was just that jonestown when the rattlesnake thing happened mm-hmm. jonestown had happened the month before holy shit so the, it basically yeah. people were like uh, no. uh they shut it down yeah uh it, okay so even azaria's name which is hebrew and it means blessed blessed of god or whom god aids they mistranslate it and they say it means sacrifice to the wilderness which what? is i think the translation in like a different language so that's they're like fucking see but like imagine if you really believe that was true that they sacrificed her on Ayers Rock and they're like oh my god we just found out that the name means sacrifice like that's fucking spooky yes and it's the it's the thing people love and it's the it's how you know like that tabloid press works in that way where it's kind of like a beautiful person yeah. that's the worst thing we can say like we're unmasking a devil right everyone loves that story and it's like uh, you know I was watching all these shows and shit about it and it's like the worst the more unfathomable unfathomable the event is, which is a baby getting murdered, yes. the more insane and like crazy the theories are going to be because people can't fucking handle it just being an accident or just being something, you know, it has to have these connotations and shit. Which kind of explains like the thing that bothers me so much, which is that the Sandy Hook truther people, which is Alex Jones telling people that this is a a conspiracy. What the fucking fuck? But if you are the kind of person that has either mental issues or faced extreme loss or whatever, somebody coming in and telling you, hey, guess what? That's not real. Thank God. I I didn't want to believe in it. Thank God. 22 kindergartners yeah. did not get shot like it didn't and happen like, you don't the, want it to so you grab at what he's saying yeah. and, and then you hold on really tight that's right and that sounds like what this is it's like we can't have the idea we can't have random chaos yes. eating our babies we need it to be we can't yeah we can't have that camping isn't safe even though there's a ton of people around and that something as simple as a dingo snatching your baby w- like that wouldn't happen because that's I, you know last week when I was having a bad weekend I talked to my therapist about it she was like the reason you're having a hard week with all these things that are happening like the shooting at trader joe's and shit yeah is because it's chaotic yes and it's it's unexpected and that makes it so much harder than if it's like someone you know dies of cancer or something it's you know it's horrible and awful but it's expected and yeah it doesn't make you feel like a complete lack of control right and it's that issue of you i'm i'm such a good parent this could never happen to me yeah and if the story is that it just happened to two great parents yeah. not just good parents but like religious religious yeah you know good people responsible parents that opens a reality pocket that like there are people who can't have it well that makes total sense because the shit they grabbed onto like once uh lynn or lindy dressed azaria in all black in a cute little black nighty and or like and that's fucking and people can't handle a baby wearing black god forbid <laughs> Isn't that weird? So yeah, they must funny. be Satanists or whatever. I'm just trying to picture, and I also can't picture. Baby it's hard. Black. It is weird and hard to picture. But it, I mean, it was like a baby's dress. But it also, was black. someone gave her the dress. Yeah, I don't know. No, whatever. You can wear, dress your baby in whatever fucking color you want. 
I mean, there's people who have babies who like have shit in the front that says like, I'll shit on your hand or whatever. And people <laughs> think it's great. Or like daddy's fucking, <laughs> yeah, mom, I love to spend daddy's money or whatever. And you're like, what the fuck is this? I'm the daddy in this situation. What? You're six months old. Get out of here. <laughs> the daddy in this situation is our new shirt immediately. <laughs> Stephen, please write that down. <laughs> and actually, the fan cult, in the fan cult, we're going to be having contests to see uh, who can design our next piece of merch or whatever. And yeah. So join the fan cult because I feel like that has to be the first one. <laughs> I'm the daddy in this situation. I'm the daddy in this situation. Uh, but here are the rules. Please don't involve any babies in that picture. Yeah, nothing babyish. <laughs> we can't have a dingo or a baby in that yeah. picture. Go to myfanmurder.com, join the fan cult. <laughs> Put your, uh, what's it called? Put your name in the in the fishbowl. Exactly. Put your business card in the fishbowl. Count the marble. How many marbles are in the jar? Fucking 500. That's Always right. say 500. <laughs> this has gone off the rails. Yes. Oh, entirely. Okay. Boop, 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 boop. There are rumors. Okay. Um, there's all these rumors about what really happened and why. Like, they needed to give her a reason as to why she did it. So, there's all these bullshit stories. It's boring. Um and then, of course, there's like a TV crew invites the f- a TV crew is invited to film an experiment uh, that the police do with a dummy baby pulled through the desert brush to see if like a dingo will get it or like what like so they're they're wanting the media to come see yeah. all this sensational bullshit. Another uh, another to film a search of a sewer of a motel room where the Chamberlains had slept the night of the. Uh, the disappearance so they're like fueling this shit so uh none of these rumors fucking matter because on february 20th 1981 after an inquest magistrate and coroner of alice springs dennis barrett gives his conclusion on live tv you're like why would you do that you're just fueling it but he's like this has gotten so fucking insane i like let's just get this over with and earlier in that day there had been a bomb threat called in the fucking courthouse they had cleared out like because people are so incensed by this whole story like yeah. everyone is fucking losing their fucking shit uh and he states that azaria had died by a dingo attack and that the, he the coroner also chastised the police for shitty police work and said that he had felt some of the police may have been against the idea of a dingo being involved from the start and had like tried to find you know bullshit stories right and that their evidence against the chamberlains did not stand up and also note said that the clothes were tampered with after the fact all this shit yeah and the police are like Fuck this dude. Fuck this shit. We'll show you. Uh oh. Uh huh. That's not good. No. And he, they refused to accept the coroner's findings. What? And this is the coroner's inquest. And as we listen to in the teacher's pet, like that's a really big deal in Australia. I feel yes. like we don't do that as much here. Or right. Like, don't lean on that as much here. But it seems like in Australia, it's like what the coroner's inquest says goes. Yeah. Right. Um, so the uh, authorities' theory is that Lindy took Azaria from the tent to the car, took her into the car, slit her throat, the baby's throat, then stuffed her body in a camera bag, the family's camera bag, because they found like clothing fibers in there or something. And then with Michael's help, um, and after the searchers had gone home, they fucking run out to the desert and leave the body, bury her body, plant the clothes as a decoy because they had been folded and shit. Uh, and yeah, that they have no motive. They just, they, they just did it because they, they're seventh day Adventists. Right. Cause they're different. Yes. Um, and then, so authorities get a second opinion. They're like, well, fuck you coroner. Our second opinion is from a British forensics expert named James Cameron. Um, I love his films. Yeah. <laughs> Do you? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought. Uh, 
he this fucking pile of shit dude <laughs> he sucks he uh he later get later like all of these cases that he had uh expertly testified in of course and gone people prosecuted and charged for turns out he he was full of shit in a lot of them oh no but in the meantime like that blood spatter expert exactly no um he examines the clothing and comes to the conclusion that azaria's throat had been cut and that he puts ultraviolet uh photos shows up a handprint on the in blood on the jumpsuit and you're like and he's like here's the handprint and you like can't see can i ask a question really quick all of these um conclusions or whatever there's no body they're just doing it based on the clothing there's no bones all they have is the body and you just said all they have all all the bones from the body are oh god that sounds awful no 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 no. okay all they have is clothes yes right okay that's all they have okay um so but okay we can do this okay da, 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 da. but i mean he's saying these things of like a throat cut and stuff yeah he's like look at the fibers here look at the way the blood is look at the you know and then he's like there's no dingo saliva on the um on the clothes you know all this crazy shit and lynn and lynn uh lindy's like the reason that what might be because azaria actually had a coat over that was never found so she had a, what they call a matinee coat mm. um over all the clothes that they found and the matinee coats never found. So that probably would have taken the brunt of the blood and the dragging and the ripping because that's what she was wearing initially. Right. So she's saying that that's why it's there, but they're like, well, what this bullshit missing matinee coat doesn't exist. They're saying, okay. Um, the Chamberlain's home and car is searched. Huge quantities of items are taken by police and the vehicle is forensically grid searched by a laboratory technician with a biology background. They, she finds suspected blood stains, um, on the council and the floor and under the dashboard, which, uh, was described as our, uh, arterial, arterial spray patterns, meaning like from your fucking neck, spraying blood out your neck, which fits the, theory that her throat was cut investigators came to have positively identified the blood as fetal blood too so it's a baby's blood okay they this is real really happening like they see blood spatter in the car that's what they're saying they find okay i don't like that no okay despite all the eyewitness all the eyewitnesses all the people at the fucking campsite are like backing up the fucking uh chamberlains they're like oh, this is exact this is not what happened blah 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 uh they they police go back to uh question them again all of the, they all have consistent stories once again but the police told them they didn't want to hear anything about a dingo they're like <laughs> tell me your story again don't fucking say a thing about a dingo like without a dingo in it very odd. Mm-hmm. November 1981, the Supreme Court in the, the Northern Territory quashes the findings of the first inquest. And in February of 82, the second coroner's inquest finds cause to commit Lindy to trial on charges of murder. And Michael Chamberlain is charged as an accessory after the fact. <sighs> so they go to fucking trial. They go to fucking trial. And it's, of course, the mother. Right. The mother did the it. The mother did it. Um, an all-white jury nine men and three women which of course the women would have been more sympathetic so of course nine men makes more sense for the prosecution right um they hear over 150 witnesses many of them are expert forensic experts some of considerable note and evidence that lindy who's now by the way seven months pregnant oh no with another her not another baby they hear evidence that she had slit her throat azaria's throat with scissors in the family car and uh yeah 
and tried to simulate a dingo attack and like planted all this evidence to make it look like it's a dingo attack. It's the craziest. Yeah. It's crazy. It's uh, go to a plate, go out and then around, get around 30 people. Yeah. And then stage yeah. a multi-tiered dog-based kidnapping. Totally. Insanity. For, but for no reason. For no they reason. They also were like, we don't have to prove, we don't need to give you a motive. Like they were just not going to get Cause she just, because they just want to kill their brand new. Yeah. To, also, you know how they say like the way babies are, th- the way their faces are, the way they look, the way, it's all, um, what are they? It, it's made for our like base reptilian mm-hmm. brain to love it because that's how we, that's why we take care yeah. of babies and care about them. No, it's, it's all, there's no, it makes no sense. It makes no sense. It goes against everything. Oh, evolution. That's the word. That's I the word. <laughs> okay. Ultimately, she's found guilty. What? And despite the judge being like to the jury, yo, dudes, this fucking evidence, like you guys know what reasonable doubt is, like basically telling them don't fucking do this. They do it. And you kind of understand it in a way like with the OJ Simpson trial. It's like these jury, the jury members are fucking probably terrified for their life if they vote the wrong way. Yes. And piss off this uh the police 50 so there's a poll that shows 52 percent of the nation's residents believe that she's guilty um so she lindy is sentenced to life imprisonment with hard labor fuck and michael's given a three-year suspended sentence right so he's of course right one month after beginning her sentence lindy gives birth to a daughter oh i know who she immediately after an hour has to give away well over a hundred thousand of australia australians signed petitions calling for her release um and everyone's super divided on this like people are fucking fighting over this it's insane but then something fucking bananas happens i mean something even more bananas i just got chills yeah to hope it because i'm like this is so hopeless you know this is crazy no i don't know okay this is fucking crazy so uh three years later 1986 English, an English tourist and hiker named David Brett was hiking at uh, Ayers Rock. Yes. Oh. <laughs> and he lost his footing and falls to his death in a little he, to a little frequented side of that area. Oh no! Off the rock sucks. He dies. Fucking but R.I.P. David Brett. While they're looking for him, they find the matinee jacket. Oh fuck! Hmm. Oh, I what know. a sad... I know. And yet, thank God. I know. That's... Uh, the, it's This whole story is worst case scenario I in every know. way. I know. Um, that, so they find it. Eight days later... Okay, they find the the jacket uh, in an area full of dingo layers. Like, it's an area that's fucking crazy. Uh, they also... Da, 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 da. Okay, so it's her jacket. And it's covered in blood and fucked up and crazy and shit. The chief, and it also uh, confirms her story of what happened. So the chief minister ordered Lindy's release from prison immediately. So on February 7th, 1986, so that's uh, fucking six years after this, after Azaria got fucking stolen, she's freed. And uh, they go and back and test that fetal blood in the car. And it turns out not to be blood at all, Karen. It turns out the drops are spilled chocolate milkshake and some <gasps> copper ore dust. Uh, 
and the arterial, arter, arterial spray was overspray from injected sound deadener applied at the car's factory. So they no. just like sprayed foam on the car and they were like, nope, that's fetal blood. What the fuck? That fu- was forensic I fucking hope science. Some, I hope at least two people got fired for that shit. I hope so too. Um, on September 15th, 1988, both convictions were quashed. They're pardoned, but they're not exonerated. Oh, and, man. And Lindy's fucking pissed. And she's like, well, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> that, that you need to apologize to me. Like, she wants an apology. Um, and people still kind of fucking hate her for this shit, of too. Of course, and that shit doesn't go away. To this day, people still don't totally believe her. Like, right. ask half Australians. I don't know how many, but they still don't believe her. Um, well, you know, can I just say one yeah. thing? Because then when things like get like this, then the rumors start. Everybody knows somebody who went to school with her, yeah. who did this with her, who has a Seventh-day Adventist relative who's this weird and that, da-da-da. Well, do you know that in one of our minisodes, we read uh, a minisode by the, a girl whose father was the lead detective on this case. Oh, shit. And people got mad at us because I was, you know, looking up on our email and in the Facebook group just to see if anyone had anything to say. Uh, people were like... Because she was like, well, we have to say it's it was a dingo, but we all know the truth, winky face. And people were like pissed at us because we just kind of glossed over it and didn't know. But we didn't know. We were just reading an email. Yeah, so like people are still fucking... And then I was reading like the Facebook, you know, threads about it. And some people are like, I don't know. Wow. It's still divided. I remember reading that email because it was kind of like... Uh, it just seemed like, but that, but that's the thing. If you have somebody that's like the inside information, yeah. guy, I'm the lead detective. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I know things. I'm privy to information. I can't I tell tend you. I trust the lead detective. Yes, and that's and if so, of course, of course, she's everybody's in their own cult. Yeah, everybody's in their own cult. Whether you're the cult of I believe whatever the police say, or your fucking weird family, or I hate anybody that has a religion different than mine. Yeah. Therefore, they're they're other, and other has to be gotten rid of. I'm a fucking Sandy Hook truther. Fuck bastard um we have to figure out these human issues before the world ends that's right quickly quickly because there's so many stupid people out there you guys we fucking smart and popular ones need to fix this (laughs) (laughs) now please smart popular people usually smart and popular don't go together we're changing all that we're changing that um and then we mispronounce every city in australia (laughs) Shit. Okay. May 1992, Northern Terri- Territory government announced a payment of 1.3 million Fuck. to the Chamberlains as compensation, but that's even less than their fucking, that's far less than their bills, their legal bills were, it said. Of course. Um, and also later, people from that government were like, well, we didn't think, we thought she was guilty still. We just had to let her go. So even they still thought she was. What more do they need? I don't know. In February of 2012, a fourth coroner's inquest finally into the death of Azaria Chamberlain uh, was opened by territory coroner Elizabeth Morris. Finally, a fucking sane person here. Elizabeth Morris considered new evidence concerning dingo attacks on humans, um, including three fatal attacks on children since the third inquest. Oh, there uh, there was a dude, there was like a fucking expert wit, uh, forensic witness on this trial on the stand who said that dingo's mouths can't open big enough to like grab a baby by the head. And then the, the fucking defense attorney just holds up a photo of a dingo with a doll's head in its mouth. And uh. the guy was just like signing it's just like all of these people being like this can't happen and then it's like well you're wrong 
God, that's weird. You it's know? like this is a true witch hunt. Yeah. Yes. It's uh, it's in a lot of articles. It's uh, Salem-y bullshit. Yeah. Um, blah, 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 blah. So including three fatal attacks on children since since they started the third since they started the fourth inquest. There's been three fatal attacks on. Oh, children. Shit. So it's like it happens. Yeah. And then she concludes that uh, after 32 years, eight legal proceedings and tens of millions spent on the investigation that a dingo did indeed kill Azaria and Azaria's death certificate finally is changed from unknown to dingo attack. Wow. And that's the death of Azaria Chamberlain. Shit, dude. Yeah. That's AKA a dingo ate my baby. God, that that's, my baby. Uh, it's just mind blowing. Oh, how like I, I see these ones and I'm like, how have we never done this? Yeah. There's got to be so many other ones like that. I'll be honest. When you first started, I was like, we've definitely done this. <laughs> I, I texted Stephen. But I bet you it's because of that mini I think it now. is. I texted Stephen when I thought of it. And I, I told Vince, I was like, I'm going to do it. And he was like, I'm pretty sure one of you did that in Australia. <laughs> I was like, shit. So I texted Stephen. And I'm like, please tell me we did it. No, it's, I mean, I'm so glad. Here's the thing, too, is like, it, it's, you know, we get it. It's like when you're divided and there's we there's lots of details we don't know and it, to actually be there and be involved in yeah. it. Like, also, this day and age, we're also used to the tabloid, you know, the crazy shit. We're all in that process. We get it. Yeah. But back then, it's like the 80s when it really was first. You thought there was a bad baby, bad boy. If yes. you saw it on a fucking cover of a magazine. Yeah. There's also a thing, too, where I think especially in Australia and like places like where this the, it took place is that unless you understand what it's like and out there in the middle of the, the aboriginals could have been like yeah that totally makes sense that a dingo would have done that but people who are from fucking sydney are, are in a major cities are like that's insane a, a dingo wouldn't do that right dingoes you know keep to themselves or you know they're polite i don't know right um but unless you're from that place you don't understand what it's really like there and i think it's the same goes for places like petaluma or like with your story it's like unless you're fucking living out there you don't understand how secluded it is or no. how whatever the fuck and, and what the culture is right it also makes me think of and this is a little bit of a weird left turn but i don't know if you saw this on social media um it was at a cubs game and a player threw the ball to the little boy in the front <gasps> row yeah and the, it dropped and the guy picked it up and handed it to his wife right and that clip got played and all these people went batshit bananas yeah. and hated this guy. Now, this guy looked, he was like bl blonde shaved head with his Oakley blades. Mm -hmm. The little boy was really little mm -hmm. and really cute or whatever. And it just looked like this weird, to me, I will say, the first time I saw it, it looked like this symbol of yeah. what we've turned into in America where yeah. people are just grabbing to get their own. They don't care yeah. who they knock over. And, it, you know, it just, ins I was thinking, I was like, the only reason I didn't immediately retweet it and be like, fuck yeah. this guy is because I was trying to think of like something different to say yeah. than all the other people that were doing it. And the next day, there was this article that was like, everybody got this wrong. Mm -hmm. And it was all the people that were sitting around that guy and around that little kid. That guy had already he had caught a ball himself and already given it Ugh. to that little kid. So yeah. the little kid already had a ball from that guy. Yeah. And they, when they, when the wife took this picture of the second ball, she then handed it to the little kid on her right. So in, as opposed to being total yeah. monster assholes, these actually were kind of the coolest people in the section. Yeah. And all the people around were like, yeah, I don't know what you're doing on Twitter, but like they just didn't show that part. They well, only showed the second half. We all have this like, uh, what's the word like trigger 
a uh, hair, trigger. hair trigger of being incensed and angry right now. Which, yes. Because there's a lot of shit that we should be incensed and angry about. So much that we are. That's all we do now. I, know. I, I figure I out who we hate. And I just think like, yeah, it's a human it's a human thing to do is to get indignant and this is wrong and this guy needs to be called yeah. out because we've now we trust any picture we see yeah the first thing that headline comes up, any headline a headline see? you don't read the article you're just like i hate that too i know this this about that yeah and it feels good to be self-righteous it yeah. makes us we feel so bad about everything else that it feels great to be self-righteous and to call out an enemy and be like that guy's the worst and I anyway after just reading that article I just kind of went like I have to at least put a pause on it yeah and and at least acknowledge that's my instinct and I need to I need to start with the man in the mirror <laughs> and like stop you need to fucking, stop look and listen yeah to what is going on inside of you what, what my feelings are what is this triggering in you am I, this might be about is this about you or is this about baseball why like, do I you need to is it am I am I jealous of baseball do you love baseball do I want to be at a baseball game Vince is at a baseball game right this fucking moment <sighs> Dollar Dodger dogs tonight. Oh I told him to sneak one so home for me. And I bet he won't. I know I am too. <laughs> sneak one home. Do you know how terrible a ballpark dog would be three hours yes. later in a pocket? Would You're I like, eat it still? <laughs> we does he do that for you? Bring, does he bring you Dodger dogs? No. Oh my god, that no. would be hilarious. If he does, I'll let you know. He's like onions, mustard. Yeah, I'll put it in my pocket. That's right. No, he doesn't. He, he does nice stuff, but that's not one of them. Thank God. Yeah, I think that's pocket dodger dog. A pocket dog. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Georgia, hmm. brought you a hot dog. Oh my God! But it's from this afternoon. I said yes. <laughs> it's from this afternoon, <laughs> and I've been sweating. You open up the hot dog, and there's another engagement ring. In another it. engagement ring. This is the most romantic thing a husband could do for an Second already married time. wife. Um, we should go to a baseball game. What is yeah. your fucking hooray i will tell you and I, it's now i'm gonna be a little bit riot girl about this and say i'm slightly embarrassed to okay. tell you this and i've actually told you this already but i'm gonna say it for the show okay. and of course for steven who i want to know all my personal <laughs> thoughts i started my therapist told me i was I had a certain series of complaints where she went i think you need to listen to shonda rhymes the year of yes and Did I, you roll your eyes so hard that your head hurt? I was like, I certainly will. And then I walked out angry, like, how dare you? It's so weird. It, it is really spe specific when your therapist suggests a, a, an actual thing, like a book or an app or a, you know, person to listen to. Cause yeah. that's, they, mine doesn't do that a lot. Yeah. So you have to take them seriously. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah. Also, since she's been my therapist for oh, like right. 14 years and yeah. she, I know how rarely she does it, but she had just listened to it and she's like, a lot of this reminds me of, she talks about a lot of this stuff. And hmm. so essentially it's so fucking good. Oh my now God. I already have a, who I, I feel like many of us, but I definitely have intense respect for Shonda Rhimes who has an entire night of television. Yeah. Um, has had, a, I don't know if currently it's like this, if it's still, if this is still the lineup, mm -hmm. but for years she basically owned Thursday night, which yeah. is fucking crazy. She is the showrunner of three 
massive hit yeah. shows. Yeah. And she's had, but she's had probably six, but like yeah. three have been juggernauts. So, and yeah, there's no question she's a fucking badass. Insane badass. But then, but I in, don't know. Yeah. I don't know. In, in so her. in this story, she's talking about how she realizes her older sister tells her that she never says yes to anything. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's related to she was invited to some party and she was telling her sister, Oh, it was this cool party? And her sisters are like, But did you go? And she's like, Well, no, I didn't go. <laughs> and which, of course, from that yeah. moment one, I was like, Uh oh, this is me in a nutshell. <laughs> and then it's like, You're gonna make me go out, aren't you? <laughs> you're gonna make me do things. So her sister, the way her sister said, You never, you sit. You never say yes to anything mm-hmm. bothered her so much. And it's her older sister. She's the youngest. Yeah. That she decided for one year she was going to say yes to everything she possibly could. Mm-hmm. But the way she breaks it down, I just listen to it. If you feel stuck or if you feel like your life is smaller than you want it to be, or if it's big in some ways and tiny in other ways, mm-hmm. and like you're trying to find balance, but you don't know how to do it. Karen. Stop talking about me. <laughs> talking about me always. Me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I cannot only talk me. about myself. Um, no, that sounds like me right now. It's amazing. And it's also this thing of when you just, she just talks about why she would make these decisions. And one of the things that blew my mind the most is she talks about how she was she was in, not even invited. She was just told that she would be going to the... Um, those Kennedy Center honors and she was sitting with the Obamas. Wow. And she says, the only reason I went is because it wasn't an invitation. So I couldn't say no. They yeah. just told me show up on this night. And that was the beginning of it where she, of course, because she said, I would have said no, I would have yeah. figured out a way to get out of it. And it's this thing that I think working people do. If you're a bit of a workaholic like me, you use the work and the busyness as an excuse to not do the things you love because you go, that's not important I'm doing the important shit and then your life gets filled up with work and no play and you become like a dried up old one of those awful peanuts (laughs) that's sour in the middle (laughs) that you bite right fucking into and then it's sour and that it's like the way she talked there's times where I was just fucking bawling because do you think it'd be good like knowing me as a person do you think it'll help me yes okay it's just because also she's crazy smart yeah and she talks about like the reason she's a writer is because she spent a lot of her childhood alone Mm -hmm. keeping people away and just writing the reality she wanted to be in and it's really hard to stop doing that especially if you then go on to be a professional writer it's working for you in a lot of ways so like we are the kind of people like you know when you call your own shots then you're just like well i'm i know best because i've gotten myself this far being a workaholic and having a fucking shit ton of anxiety has worked right now is like working right now for me yeah so why would i stop doing that that's why would i why would i like stop and have fucking self-care yeah and she starts talking about like some of the things are like she plays with her kids like when her kid says mommy do you want to play she sits down and says yes even though she's on her way out the door to go to a party or whatever and how that the way she judges what has value and what doesn't has have value changes because suddenly she goes this is my children's lives of course i should be there for it yeah it's just that kind of stuff and then i don't know everything about it struck so many one million chords for me in that way oh i told you this part which was my favorite she calls laying on the couch eating and watching tv veal practice <laughs> and it's my favorite thing i've ever I fucking heard veal it's, practice. It, i have been in such deep veal practice pretending like i don't care yeah and 
that's been a, a big mistake. So anyway, it's, if you have any of those feelings, I highly recommend. I love it. She's very smart. And she also gave a speech. One of her, there's a couple speeches included that she has given. Um, like one was a commencement speech mm-hmm. at Dartmouth where she went to school, but one was at like the Hollywood Women's Association of Superstar Women. And there's tons of crazy women, but she gives this fucking speech because it's like, they're saying she broke this glass ceiling and she starts talking about all the women who tried to break the glass ceiling mm. and didn't, but slammed up against it yeah. and created the tiny cracks. And it, I was like fucking sobbing. That's so she incredible. was like, thank you to all the women are here. And, and thank you to all the women who didn't make it here. Mm. Are you kidding me? Mm. It was, it's such a good, it's such a good book. And it's such a, it's like self-help that actually works yeah. while you're listening to it. I listen because I listen to books. Oh, I'm listening to it. Right. Immediately. Um, that's that's great. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Um, mine, I just decided I'm changing a rule. My fucking hooray is going to be a thing that I want to do in the next week. Okay. And I'm fucking naming it right here because I feel like it's the only way I'm going to get myself to do it. I like this. I, what also can, can I pitch something? Yeah. That we, this, I really like this idea of like future goals. Yeah. And we can make up a fun name for it later, but yeah. like this maybe should be another thing. I like do. it too. I I'm just going to go to a yoga class or go to the gym Good. because I feel so shitty right now. I'm bad about myself and I'm not fucking sleeping well. And I know that, and I just don't feel healthy and um, you know, my back, it's all these fucking things that I know will, I will feel better if I start going back to yoga yep. or go to the fucking gym for even a half an hour, but I just can't get myself to do it. Right. So when next week when we're back here during fucking hooray i'll tell you if i've done it or not what a, can i say this mm-hmm. what if this is week one yoga challenge we <gasps> both go to a yoga class at some point in the next week so that we when we come back we have to tell each other about it i love it and this is my problem is i'm like well one's not enough it's not going to do anything i need to go three times like i'm just like crazy <laughs> like that so let's just say we need to go one time let's start small okay let's high five over it yeah but not with your foot. <laughs> that wasn't my foot. Okay, great. I love it. I've been um, loud with your foot. Everyone I love let us that know idea. if you're fucking joining us for the one one time in a week yoga challenge. And also, I know it's hard to go alone. There's all these reasons. I, I always say I'm going to go and then I go, I can't show up with this body at yoga. I know. Don't do that. Just don't do it or to like, yourself. I'm so, I have to work out first because I'm not in shape enough to go to yeah. That's perfectionism ruining your good time. Yeah, you don't have to be perfect. Just fucking do things. Please don't have to be perfect because then that means I don't have to be perfect. Yeah. And I would really appreciate that right now. Yeah. Um, we also, speaking of, if you just want to exercise and feel good, we have, uh, we want to give a shout out to the hashtag I'd look for you and all the incredible mm-hmm. murderinos who are part of this movement in honor of our, uh, one of our listeners, Maggie Dykeshorn, who passed away recently while hiking. And there's going on August 5th, that's the Sunday, there's going to be around the country now all these fucking hikes dedicated to her. And I'd look, the hashtag I'd look for you. If you go, if you, there's Facebook groups, if you're not on Facebook, just look for, look up the hashtag and you should be able to find, you know, a hike near you or start one if there's not. Yeah. And there's, but there is a map of all the places where hikes are planned around the right. country. And I cannot believe this it's map. It's incredible. I can't believe it. There's it's one right here beautiful. in Griffith Park this weekend. Yeah. So really uh, lovely. We just want to, again, I mean, that's such a beautiful thing and shout out to Maggie and, you know, and shout out to you guys for, I mean, there's, the idea that people are creating real 
friendships and communities around and a causes, podcast yeah. is and and kind of being there for each other and do it. It's not like anybody, you know, people informed us you were doing it, but it you're all doing it yeah. yourselves. It, it's such an inspirational thing to us yeah. that you guys get you get this shit together and it's just so nice. Every day we're, I'm like just blown away. We're blown away that this, this is our lives and this has happened and we're just so appreciative of it. And so thank you guys. We're so blown away that we have to stay on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not we at all. We to go to yoga because we said we would. And especially like, you know, with that in mind, yeah. with that in mind, yeah. like go, go outside, move around, take in some other scenery. Yeah. Um, do it with a buddy. Yeah. And thanks for listening. Uh, you guys are the fucking best. Yeah. Thank you for everything. Stay sexy. And don't get murdered. Goodbye. Goodbye. Uh, He's right there. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> how's this? You want a cookie? Yeah. He said it right into the mic.